Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name's Aaron and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. And this week's no exception, fascinating because we've got loads to get through this week. We are doing Star Wars A New Hope. We're going to revisit the 1977 classic. We're also going to look at the Obi-Wan series on Disney+. And James, you've been to the cinema. I saw Jurassic World Dominion. And there's also some new releases on Netflix. There's Spiderhead, there's Last Night and Soho, which is now available on Now TV your Sky Cinema here in the UK. Loads oh to get God. through. Before all that, how are you doing? Oh my God, it's been a jam-packed week, so jam-packed. Um, it's been good. I uh, I mean, this whole this whole episode, 202, Star Wars, 200 we did in a space. <laughs> <laughs> Sums it up, the, great, it? the greatest sci-fi film of our age. No, I've been I've been relatively good. I snuck myself in some what I've now lovingly called cheese time at home. Since mm. when Esther goes to bed and I'm allowed to watch films I'm allowed to watch and eat cheese that she can't stand. So very good, thank you. How are you? Born in cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm all right, actually. Yeah, I'm moving. I'm in the process of moving house. So this is our penultimate show in this abode. Yeah, this is time to say goodbye to another recording house of ours. I know. And then, uh, so I'm about to move house where we'll set up a new podcast studio and continue this journey. Hopefully not dropping the ball and not missing a week. No, we won't. We won't at all because we're here for you. And we, we thank you for following us for over 200 episodes. It's mental. Get a better hobby. <laughs> No, we're joking. We're glad you're here. And like I said, this week is a gift to you, as every week is, uh, looking at... We have done Star Wars. So we've done the prequel trilogy, we've done an episode on the original trilogy, and we've done an episode on the sequel trilogy, each of which we had an amazing guest on. So you can go back. But what we thought was, we're in the spirit now of doing play-by-plays. Yeah. So we've done, as James has already made reference to, we did Inner Space recently, the Dennis Quaid, Martin Short movie. We And uh, we, we took it scene by scene or set piece by set piece and discussed it in great detail. We've done the same for other classics. Let's go back to Star Wars. In the, in the glow of the Obi-Wan series on Disney+, Plus, which is obviously the connecting, you know, with, with, Han, with the solo movie and with Rogue One, but we get to the Vader we know, we get to the Obi-Wan that was first introduced to. It was time to go back. So if you listen back to those episodes really early on, there's four people talking about three films. It was jumble, it was jam We take, this is your favourite Star Wars film. Yeah, mine in some is, ways, yeah. this is one of mine. It's definitely in the top two it's between this and Empire Strikes Back. What a great time to go back and revisit a launching pad for Star Wars. And we came out of different eras. So mm. we're both huge Star Wars fans, but you were later. I loved it as a kid. I wondered when I was watching it last night on Disney Plus, I was wondering, had you ever seen it without those terrible edits that George Lucas made where he injects these random scenes for no reason? I have, but I don't know. I, I, I've got no memory of him. So obviously yeah. I've I've got no memory of the pre-Jabba the Hutt version, the original theatrical release. Oh, he wasn't there. <laughs> he wasn't there at all. Yeah. It was uh, a deleted scene with a fat man. <laughs> Yeah, was it? Uh, oh, I forgot his name now. Something Mulholland, isn't it? Um, oh, was it? Oh. So yeah, the, the Scottish Jabba the Hutt that was taken yeah. out, and then in 1997 was CGI'd oh. in, and then 2004 was re-CGI'd in with Boba Fett. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I only now know the 2004 version because it's the one I've seen the most, and it's replaced all. It's like now when I watch Empire, I I never remember the, the original Boba Fett voice, which is a shame. And I know that's a cardinal sin to the Star Wars uh, fanatics, diehards, and those that grew up with it in the 70s and 80s. But it's just you you know what you know, don't you? Yeah. And and to me now, you know, the original trilogy is still my favorite. I am still a Star Wars fan, but I'm not the super 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 fan that is that gravitates towards this this franchise. All right. So we'll start with a new film. 
Should we do the new, a new film first? And do, you wanna do, do you want to do Jurassic Park? Do you want to? Because I know I know you you're foaming at the bit like a Velociraptor with his eyes on a goat, and I feel that I'm the goat, James. It's um, it's an experience. So I went on my own. Esther was at work. Mm. I was picking her up. I'll go a few hours early. I'll see this cinematic masterpiece that's Dominion. The connection of the original trilogy with Sam Neill and Laura Dern connected with the new ones. It was a tour de force, mate. A new beginning, a reckoning, if you will of some of the most cliched recycled writing you've yeah. ever seen in the history of the world. I reviewed it on Twitter as I genuinely wanted to let out a raw rip my shirt and demand to the heavens why. And that's it. I, do, I don't I don't get a point. And this mm. is something that's going to come up later as well. I don't get the point. It's like, it's a storyline exists. <laughs> it's, it's a terrible retelling. So they've added this element of, I don't know about you, if you were head of a company that had reintroduced dinosaurs into it, you'd imagine you'd be pretty rich. Mm. Well, no, 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 because you need more money. That's what you need. A mash, if it was a breakfast, the scrambled eggs would be everywhere. The beans everywhere. No one having a location. It's a mess. You don't know what to taste because you'd be having a bit of everything. The film exists to create Easter eggs. Sam Neill is depressingly flat. Like oh. he's literally in it for the money. Don't get me wrong, he's still the best thing about it, but it's, it's, that's not a compliment. Is it the magic between him and Laura Dern still there? It, they do have a good chemistry, must admit, but I know you're a big Jeff Goldblum fan. Disappears for large waves of the film. And even when he's in scenes, he, he phones it in. It, there is a definite divide between what you'd call New Jurassic World and Jurassic Park. And to me, Jurassic Park holds nostalgia, holds the good memories. Jurassic World has been like a massive turd in that breakfast. It's It was a disappointment from beginning to end with uh, character decisions that are stupid. And I, I don't want to go into spoilers, but one of the weirdest things like completely ruins one of the other films. So you find out something, you go, well, so why did we spend a film doing that? Oh, it turns out for no fucking reason. It was a damp squid. Because the last one ended last with one dinosaurs getting out. Yes, ruling and- the world. Yeah, so very much they got out of the pens, they got off the island, they got out of the rich man's mansion yeah. and they were now free roaming. It turns out these prehistoric dinosaurs couldn't be kept in by mansion gates. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> I don't know, millions of years of evolution. <laughs> um, yeah, it did. so it opens up with all these new reports of, of the dinosaurs and how they're getting on. And actually that was quite fun. I'd, more realistic because it's just like you, they interview like a fisherman and goes, well, I'm fucked because every time I fish, the dinosaur comes and eats them all. And you're like, makes sense. <laughs> but then they bring up the fact that there's a giant pack of locusts and that's as much as I'll mention. And you go, well, how's that? How, at what point does the plague of locusts, uh, locusts play in the part? Well, apparently like a big part. Yeah. All right. Um, what's the best part of Jurassic World? Because in my defense, in my opinion, a very bland film saved at the end when a dinosaur is fought by a Velociraptor and a T-Rex. They knew that was the best part of Jurassic World. When they tag team. They when it was the, when it, yeah, when it was the, uh, when it was the WWE lineup, you never knew you yeah, needed. Exactly. It was just, um, just it was just re- everything you thought was just recycled. Even Laura Dern taking her sunglasses off in the only scene you remember in the first Jurassic Park is how she takes sunglasses off. What I don't understand is how she's still surprised she's seen dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> no one should be surprised anymore. Dinosaurs have existed for a while. Maybe she took her glasses off and saw our old uh, Sam Neill. It's just like, we, we were a love interest at one point. Yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, it was a very disappointing, a no critic response hasn't been kind to it. The film franchise needs to die. It's over. It's extinct. They, they've killed the dinosaurs once again. <laughs> <laughs> it's very disappointing. I know that you're not interested in seeing it. And this isn't so good, it's bad. It's lazy rhymes, recycled characters, it's cliches. If you love an Easter egg, 
very specific to five films mm. in the in the Jurassic Park franchise you might like I mean, this it, film. It, it's done well at the box office. And yeah. and this is an easy sell, isn't it? I think dinosaurs are always going to be get, they get bums in seats and they're a universal you know, age-defying style of filmmaking. Who doesn't love a dinosaur. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and you know, 5 years ago you know, pre having a child, I probably would have gone to watch this at the cinema. But now that I get to the cinema, so rare now, I, I'm not going to waste it on uh, on, on this movie that I know will be on Sky Cinema in in weeks. Yeah, and um, and the last one, I, I didn't leave the cinema after the last one, going fucking. Hell, I need to see how this ends. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I just, I was like, oh yeah, leave it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. They've, 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 you know, in fact, I'd much rather forget about it. And in 20 years, there'll be a sequel where dinosaurs now own the White House. Yeah, you know what I mean, and they are. The best, the biggest thing is, do you remember in the first episode, uh, the first Jurassic Park, the character of Dobson? Yeah. He's back. Was he? <laughs> a different actor. Oh, right. Because they, they that actor, I think, did some heinous crimes. So they've replaced him, but but then they just like, when you first introduced to him, they mentioned Dobson so many times. You're like, do you not remember? This is Dobson. 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 And you're like, Dobson. why do I? But the thing is, at no point do they say who he is. So you're like, who is the fuck is Dobson? And then you go, oh yeah, I vaguely remember that character that was in it for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, why bring it? I mean, okay, if, they, if they're replacing the actor, just 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 call him, just call him a new name. <laughs> just yeah, Dobson's he, uh, Chris Pratt. Yeah, the box office gold, but critics not fond of. And, and you know that's not a bad thing. You know the, the critics aren't kind to the Rock. You know the critics aren't kind to uh, to Bruce Willis a lot of the time. Even in Bruce Willis's good movies, which are few and far between. Yeah, but yeah. Um, Chris Pratt always kind of gets a bit of a hard run as well. Just from fans as well. I think it's because they, they just don't like him as a person, which is, I think, something that you can't, you don't always like as a person. You, you know what he's like on a press release or you don't like him because his character punched Thanos in yeah. the film. Um, it's disappointing. And I love the fact that he was up against himself, but Buzz Lightyear has not performed as they expected. He's been absolutely destroyed. Oh, see, I do, I do kind of want to go see Buzz Lightyear. I had a choice between this and Star Wars, uh, Star Trek. It's not even Star Wars. Or Jurassic, Star Park. Trek, Jurassic Park. In a- That's the only <laughs> thing missing from Star Wars. Is, is dinosaurs. more dinosaurs. <laughs> um, it's about a choice. I, before anyone says anything, I know Trendoshans exist in Star Wars, so I don't come at me just yet. I'm going to... Soon, though. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get your chance. Um, yeah, I made the wrong decision, I think. Yeah. And, uh, I've heard good things about Buzz. It looks say. good. And, it, and again, it's... Every now and again, a movie like that comes out that it was not on the radar, didn't even... There's certain films you watch and you go, there's a prequel there yeah. or there's a side storyline or there's, you know, uh, or whatever. Nowhere with the Buzz Lightyear character did I think origin story. That's what we fucking need. <laughs> I love the fact that I like to think that Tim Allen bought a new car. He didn't even told you. It was like, oh, they're doing a prequel. Well, I'll just buy this car. <laughs> it's guaranteed. But then it's Chris Pratt, which is weird because he's now going to be the voice of Buzz Lightyear and Mario. <laughs> oh, Chris, no, it's Chris Evans. It's Captain America does the voice of Buzz Lightyear. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's the other Chris. Oh, then I apologise. Yeah, I am Chris, really Chris Evans. Captain America is Buzz Lightyear. So and, it wasn't but Chris. Yeah, Chris Pratt oh. is Mario. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't. I apologise as well. Yeah. Oh, and do you know what? I've got another Because apparently there's no uh, Italian voiced no. voice actors I've, out there. No. But it hasn't been for a while. Do you not remember when they were That's why Bob Hoskins <laughs> came on board. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> um, another apology as well. I rewatched the Black Adder trailer thinking, no, Aaron's wrong. Yeah, I was wrong. There's no storyline in it. There's, there's and, no storyline. And this is often the and, case though, isn't it? The first trailer, normally you don't get, the four movie, you know, Love and, Love and Thunder or whatever it's called. Like the first trailer of that was just like, just you know, showreel. Yeah. And now you get a bit of story. Um, but again, first reviews of that are coming out saying it looks really good. But yeah, Black Adam, not a fan. Yeah, so uh, I, was a bit, I was a bit wrong on that. But more exciting, soon, 
Stranger Things Part 2. Do you know what? It's a great time to be alive. And Boys is kicking on. It's, it's, it's good. Yeah, I haven't seen the new episode of The Boys yet, but I hear it is diabolical. It is fucking normal. It's God. the one that the showrunners, Herogasm is the episode that they kept saying, this is the one. And I see a load of trailers for it. It's like the main cast just apologising. And I'm like, oh, I need to see it. Yeah, I have no spoilers. I loved it. Oh, then, I, I've the, loved it all so far, yeah. I, was, I was at a wedding at the weekend and literally one of the talking points was after this series, I don't know where they're going to go mm. and that might not be a good thing. They might have, because they do, they do everything to, to 11. At some point they're going to run, like 24, 24 did everything to 11. Series one, brilliant. Series two, brilliant. Series three. But at some point it got too much. It was like a nuclear bomb had gone off and everyone was just kind of annoyed by it. it yeah. You, you can ramp up the tension too much. I think the boys though will always exist while superhero movies are yeah. as as big and as uh, box office gold as they are because you need the boys to because DC's tried it hasn't they it's like well, what Marvel do in spandex and colour we'll do with dark broody and atmosphere and it doesn't work whereas the boys then just kind of filled that gap of like no we'll just put a load of swearing in it we'll make it more narcissistic um, you know and, and godlike characters and um, and then we'll put the absolute rookies <laughs> and anti-heroes as the bandit that you're supposed to follow and it works it's a, such a winning formula mm. Um I think the boys will exist as long as we are on the superhero high that we're on. Fair enough. It's mad that phase four of the MCU is like nearly done as well. Like I, I, you feel like I blinked and I missed it, but there's been so much MCU content recently. There's um there's a meme that's going around that says that after Endgame, um, every Marvel film now is like a side quest that you've completed after the main storyline. Mm. I'm really not interested in the MCU. And don't get me wrong, that's there's a difference between I'm not interested in and I don't like. Yeah. I do like I thought Multiverse of Madness was a really good film. But at the same time, I really couldn't give a toss if they didn't come up with another one. I know it sounds makes me a bit of a hypocrite, but I have that fatigue. But it's now corresponded to the Batman came out on DVD or, or Blu-ray. I love that. I like that film, but in hindsight, and I'm thinking, it's just dark. I just don't want to See, I am looking forward to watching the Batman again. I do I am I am. Yeah. When I'm at home, you know, when the kids in sleep and I've got you know, my phone's off. I am looking forward to going back and revisiting it. I nearly, I nearly revisited Multiverse of Madness recently because it's just come on Sky, yeah, uh, on Disney, which is insane that that is out already. Um, Especially if you paid for a cinema ticket, I think you'd be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> but the, 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 the um, I saw Disney saying that it takes place before Hawkeye. And I can't think of what the relevance of that is other than, is that then how, kingpins in the universe and daredevil and all those guys that, you know, but, yeah. but then again, daredevil was in no way home. So I don't know, I don't know the, the the significance of saying Hawkeye is post. I don't know. I, I don't, I can't think of anything that happened in Hawkeye. That means, Oh yeah, yeah. That, that, that explains that then. There's probably someone screaming right now. Listen, it's going, well, it means because obviously that light switch was on in the room that no one went into that fantastic four exists. I don't know. I don't have a clue. Fuck it. There's got to be a reason. If you know, if you're smarter than me, which isn't hard, do let us know. Um, while we're on uh, superheroes, uh, I just want to keep it on to the MCU's favourite Aussie, and that is Chris Hemsworth, because a new movie has come out on Netflix, a Netflix exclusive called Spiderhead. It stars Chris Hemsworth and, uh, what's his name? Mars Teller. Mars Teller. Uh, directed by Joseph Kaczynski, the guy who did Oblivion with Tom Cruise, who's just done Maverick. Oh. Uh, do you know what? I'm saying this, Maverick is better than Top Gun. I don't know if, when we did that episode, I don't know if I actually said it. Maverick is I think better you did, than Top yeah. Gun. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, carry on. No, no, no. Say it again. Say it loud and proud. Maverick Get it on is better than Top Gun. <laughs> they, <laughs> he heard you. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, th- this movie was made pre-Top uh, Gun. I think it's just been one of those that have sat on for a while uh, before releasing it. I think they were right to it. I'm, I'm, I'm preempting you. I've seen it. 
So we spider head. You know, so we can talk about this one, bro. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't seen it, we don't know what it is. It is. Uh, first off, it's a shit name for a movie. It's a very shit. It's name. a really bad name. For what? A movie. What were you expecting when you were spider head? I was like, oh, covert ops, something, something a bit different. Maybe a monster. Yeah. Pharmaceutical prison. It's a pharmaceutical <laughs> prison. Oh, that is it. I mean, I think it's inspired by uh, by an article or a, or a story. In, Believe in, it's in not of an article where they were testing drugs on. A prison, but then was also a fictional story based on the article. So yeah. it's an article story film. So then, uh, so what we've got is we've got uh, Mouse Teller is a convict or is an inmate of this um, futuristic type prison where instead of serving times in a re- regular state prison where he uh, is subject to obviously uh, the bars, you know, the showers and all the other kind of niceties that come with being in a state prison here, there's the luxury of no locked doors, you know, freedom, good food, um, you know, uh, your own clothes, just kind of like it's like living in a hotel bit. Yeah, yeah. fresh air. But it's it's almost. But think of this uh, institute, this uh, clinical setting, on a James Bond villain's island. Yes, because you can't get called, off the island. Called Spider. Called Spiderhead. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Chris Hemsworth is at the top of the chain. He is the lead scientist. He's the psychologist who is running the experiments on the inmates. Everyone has this kind of um, chemical pack on their lower spine. There's five drugs and and. Chris Hemsworth is monitoring different clinical trials and experimenting with the different drugs. So the drugs, for example, are to try and make people fall in love or to try and make people afraid or, or feared. Um, and he's working out the combination of the different dosages because they want to sell it and they want to put it on the market. The gist is, is if you do the time in the clinical prison and take part in these trials, you get a reduced sentence and, like I say, a nicer living environment. But, of course, hijinks ensue when you find out there is something much more sinister going on behind the scenes of this place. Um, from the bat, I didn't realise how much I like Miles Teller. Oh, it's, you know, nice that you said that because I really like Miles Teller. Yeah. I think he is the future. Him and my, probably Michael B. Jordan, they, yeah. they will be the male actors of the, the next Which is weird because they're both in Fantastic Four, which is shit bombed. I know. <laughs> but but I give know. him another go. <laughs> but give him another go. Yeah. Um, but then it's not their fault. I, I think Miles Teller, obviously Whiplash fame, I know you're a fan of, uh, of uh, Maverick. Maverick, but... I do, I do really, really like uh, Miles Teller. I think he's very, very good, and he does this very, this this role very well. He has this chip on his shoulder. You know, he's obviously he's come from a background. He's done wrong. He's done a crime. Um, you know, so he is a convict. But you're supposed to like him. You're supposed to follow him. You're supposed to sympathise somewhat with him, but you don't when you know what his crime is. Chris Hemsworth also, I think, is very good as a as as the kind of high tech billionaire Steve Jobs style. Um, he's a good Bond villain. He's got Bond villain. I think you're right. He's yeah. got good energy where you kind of want to you you kind of want to go for a drink with him. You wouldn't eat any of his food, and you'd want you'd like oh no, yeah. you haven't touched a drink of it. <laughs> Just get a bartender to do it. I'll order myself. You stay he, away. But kind of fascinating in a way. Yeah, he makes a good sociopath as well, more than a psychopath in the sense that you know, and a lot of this film is that you know, it's it's him emotionally blackmailing Miles Teller. He's like, he's, he's like, come on, we're friends. You know, when Miles Teller doesn't want to take part in a specific trial, he's, he's very much like, come on, we're friends. I've been there for you, haven't I? I haven't put locks on your doors. I And then you treat me this way. I can't believe you're treating me this way. And he's very sinister in a kind of uh, sociopathic kind of way that he's really believable. And I think really falls into Chris Hemsworth because he is, I, you know, this is another film now I've seen with Chris Hemsworth where he's, 
where his physical disadvantages have really gone against him. You know, he's not a very good looking man, James. No, and, he's not. And I think that sometimes makes it very hard for him to pull off some of these lead roles. Yeah, definitely. He's really had to work hard yes. for a lot of the stuff. And he's so fuck ugly. <laughs> I know, those blue eyes, those chiseled muscles, that six foot high, you know. It's disgusting, isn't it? Makes me sick to my core. Danny DeVito. <laughs> Alpha I would match. watch that. <laughs> I, would, I would watch a film. No, but I think the film loses it like most do in the third act of the film. And when Chris Hemsworth, I think, I imagine the selling point was what he gets to do in the last act because he really gets to have fun in that part. But it does then detract from all the kind of emotion and all the, um, for me, all the kind of tension that the first two acts. Because it, and also, weirdly enough, there's a, there's a very, uh, there's a there's a there's a scene in it that is instrumental for where the film is going to go, and it involves a trial going wrong, horribly wrong. And where it's placed in the movie is really interesting because it's not like at the end of the first act; it's almost smack bang in the middle. Yeah. And then that really leaves it wide open to go, well, where is this film going to go? And it does somewhat steer and veer towards the generic and where you think it's going to go. Yeah. Um, but Chris Hemsworth has fun all the way. I think Miles Teller carries the arc of his character really, really well. And there's some supporting cast members in this film as well that I think are great. If you can get past the crappy title and if you can get past the fact that this film is going to go exactly where you think it's going to go, I, I do. I did find it was a quite an enjoyable movie for the time it was running. Do you know what? I enjoyed it. I, I genuinely did enjoy it. I liked the storyline more than I thought it was going to, despite the fact it's not a twist and turner. It's the performances that you like, but it's also... Maybe it's not the storytelling, but the writing, I think, the character dialogue is quite good. So there's a scene where he sat there with another man, but because you've seen it from the other side, he understands what's happening. And that's a really cool scene where he then says hello to a character that you can't see. Yeah. And you're like, and you click your fingers, like, oh, I get it now. And then it's like, oh, that character's also done so. I know I've just spoken in very weird haikus. I'm trying to give any spoilers. Well. Yeah. I think the director trusts that you are smart enough to follow yeah. those cues without spoon feeding you everything. And I like that. Bearing in mind, I literally just watched the film, which is like, this is a dinosaur. Have a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was all right. I, 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 did, I did quite enjoy it. I watched it in two halves. Uh, so I watched it. And then I was looking forward to going back the next day and saying, right, I want to see how this finishes now. Um, yeah, and I did. I did quite enjoy it. it. I don't think it ever goes fully one way. It doesn't no. fully go psychological thriller. It doesn't full, fully go comedy, but it does blend and it's safe. Yeah, it does. It, and um, it's got a very weird soundtrack as well, in a good way. It has a lot of there. There are soundtrack movies nowadays, and this director I'm going to talk about shortly, um, Edgar Wright, is is one of those directors that puts in soundtracks, James Gunn, you know, these characters. And you can't deny Joseph Krasinski in this has put together a quite a good soundtrack to a, a style of soundtrack that doesn't necessarily work, but it does. Yeah. And, and I quite like it because a lot of it is about Chris Hemsworth having this iPod and he keeps playing these songs that there are songs that, you know, and you're like, I did not think this song would be in this film. Brilliant. Okay, cool. So yeah, all in all, quite quite pleasant actually. Yeah. Don't judge a film by its title, Spiderhead. It's, it's crappy, crappy title, Spiderhead. That is winning so far this year for the worst title of yeah. a film. Mm, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I think. Tell you what, I tell you what. You know the man from Toronto. Yeah, here's, oh, yeah. A, here's a review. I had a good nap. <laughs> Fell asleep twenty minutes in. I'll talk about it. I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch that. Uh, do you want to do Obi Wan because it leads into Star Wars? Yes. So Obi Wan for me. Excited. I know you're a big fan. You've been screaming out for this. I haven't been. Obi-Wan, Disney Plus, the latest thing. Critics, fans love it, adore it. It's for me, mate. As it goes to bed, leaves her phone. Disney Plus cast onto the TV. Brie, blue still on. Mm. Crackers, cup of tea. Oh. How many did you do? Because you weren't watching them weekly, were you? No, so I did th the first three. 
and then waited until the last the week of the last episode and did the last did three. Did the last three. Yeah. So I watched these weekly. So I had to wait. Oh, you had to wait. Oh, it's killing me. But then I couldn't not watch. Obviously, the first two came out but uh, I, on the same day. But I got away with no spoilers. So oh, I, I was a, I was able to watch all six episodes, which is, do you know what? For a limited series, that's perfect. That is six yeah. six hours. Well, they're about 47 minutes. I tell you long credits at the end there. Mm. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. If you give me a limited series, six episodes is just perfect. So if you haven't seen it, you might want to just uh, fast forward maybe five minutes because no doubt we will, not deliberately, but we may go into spoiler territory. Um, in fact, I, I'm almost certain we probably will. So just if you haven't seen it and you've got maybe that last episode to go, do skip forward five minutes. Um, make it safe six minutes. Yeah. If we're talking about New Hope. You've gone too far. Come pull it back. Pull, <laughs> pull it back, back. Pull it back. But if you haven't, uh, sorry, if you have seen it, just to recap, this is the uh, as James says, the six part uh, limited run of Obi Wan Kenobi, which takes place ten years after Revenge of the Sith. Um, it stars uh, Ewan McGregor returns Obi Wan Kenobi. It's got Moses Ingram is in it. Hayden Christensen has returned and a welcome return by the Star Wars community is Darth Vader. You've also got. Rupert, now is it friend or friend? I never oh, know. So it's friend. Uh, you, yeah, you've got Hitman himself. James Earl Jones returning to do the voice of uh, Darth Vader. Uh, Kamal Ninjani, who uh, is there for the comic relief. Uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. And you've got uh, Indra Varma, who's the um, Game of Thrones alumni. Yes. Dude, you've got massive career she has. Yeah. She's, she's a fascinating actress. I, there's, there's a podcast in there just purely for the amount of films that she's been in. <laughs> It's a, so six part uh, TV show picking up where we left, well, 10 years after where we left off from Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan Kenobi is living in the shadows on Tatooine, keeping an eye from a safe distance on a very young Luke Skywalker when he's pulled out of hiding due to a new threat, the Inquisitors, which have come from, I suppose, the extended universe, which is canon, um, but the uh, Inquisitors whose job it is to hunt down Jedi um, it, under the command of Darth Vader. Um, seeing that Luke and Leia. a young Leia yeah. are potentially in danger, Luke, uh, everyone is forced out of hiding and goes on a globe, uh, globe, universe trotting oh, adventure universe to save uh, young Leia and to reface one of his old enemies, Darth Vader, who doesn't realise, obviously, at this point, he thinks Darth Vader is dead. Last time we saw him, he was missing a couple of <laughs> a couple of uh, legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, internet. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just had an argument with someone and say, I'll go over it. So here we are. We are uh, Obi-Wan territory. I was so excited for this because I'm a big Ewan McGregor fan. There's so, obviously so much to tell in the Obi-Wan storyline from where we've left him to where we see him when Alec Guinness created that character in New Hope in, in 1977. So there's this huge, huge arc. Um, I, I, I So my overarching opinion on the show was that it's it's not perfect by any means i'm not mm. going to sit here and 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 pretend that it's um that, that it, it's flawless because it's not there's, there's a lot wrong with it in parts but i thoroughly enjoyed it and the highs were so high that it i would just watch every episode my heart was racing i was in glee i was in my element i enjoyed it um i cannot wait to revisit this tv show and watch it I, you know, he's, he's put me into wanting to watch the prequel trilogy, James. Oh, yeah, it's supposed to be good then. <laughs> and then this, and then, you know, just, it, it, for me, it has a very firm, fond place in the Star Wars universe. That's, that's glowing. You're a fan of Star Wars. Mm. It made you want to look at probably the weakest Star Wars fans. That's brilliant. You were looking forward to this because you wanted to see the story of how Obi-Wan left, um, uh, I can't remember what it's called, um, the last, what's the th episode? Oh, Revenge um, of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith and how he appears in A New Hope. Yeah. Flip that. I love Star Wars. I do like Star Wars. I, I always think it's a misconception that you're the bigger fan. I'm a fan. I, I 
I think I just have a high, a higher standard. Mm. Don't get it. I don't get why it was made. I don't understand the point of it. And now, just because I'm questioning things doesn't mean to say I did not like it. Mm. I did like it. I love you, McGregor. Fuck it. Hayden Christensen did, did a good job, and I did nothing but slate the guy off for three films. I'm one of those terrible fans that was just Two like, films. he's awful. Two films. Oh, I do apologise. He was great in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> it was his best performance, was it, the first yeah. one? <laughs> Even he did brilliant. And I love the fact that they didn't use age, uh, de-age technology on his face because when he showed he was old, I felt old. Yeah, well, he's in his 40s. He is in his 40s, but I just thought, that's, that's weird. Don't question that. But ultimately, when Revenge of the Sith ends, he's in exactly where he should be for New Hope. So I didn't see the point of this series. I thought, how is he? He's destroyed. He's best friend. Now, yeah. I, I, here's what I will say. Hmm. You Have you seen the Clone Wars animated TV show? I have not. Now, I think I went into this TV show with a lot, with a lot more. You're a huge fan of that, aren't you? Yeah, and I think I went into this with a lot more emotional baggage because Mm. what that show enables you as a viewer to to see is seven or eight shows of them two being brothers. Do you want them of them two being tight and the the friction and the him being pulled and seduced into the dark side is played out much longer in the Clone Wars TV show, um, an animated show that. I've and I've just recently finished all of that. That I think going into Obi Wan, uh, like at the end of Revenge of the Sith, he's he's broken. He's his brother. Yeah, his job when he lost his mentor was to look after this this the chosen one. Yeah, and it all boils down to that scene where he's like, "You were the chosen. I loved you." And you know, and Jedi mate, you know, not supposed to love, although technically, technically they are. They're not to have attachments. Yeah, which I've read today, and, I, and then I said, I said to myself. With everything that's going on in the world, I've read this article. Those, those, those <laughs> so, goalposts are moving quite consistently <laughs> in the universe. But he is a broken man. He has had to do the unthinkable. He's had to take down not only like his brother, like Victor, uh, his, his brother uh, character. He's also lost all the Jedi. They've all gone. All the kids, mate, the younglings, they're all destroyed. Yeah, all and he has to walk away and go into hiding. Yeah. And he was one that those kids that, you know, the you know everyone in the... Um, in the Republic we're looking up to and it, all this went on underneath him and he didn't see any of it. So of course he's broken. Of course he's battered and and living in exile, but still has that job to maintain, which is looking after Luke because he knows one day people are going to, don't know Darth's obviously coming, but he knows yeah. someone is going to come. When you see him in New Hope, he's like, oh, I can't remember having a droid. He's drunk, mate. He's been <laughs> fucking drinking some shit. It's <laughs> But that to me makes more sense if he's been broken from the end of the third one and he's literally like removed himself. He's gone, I've changed my name to old Ben, <laughs> you know, which is still something that... <laughs> yeah, but he's also not looking after Luke in New Hope. When you see him, he's, he's not he's not like so, in this where he's looking over through binoculars and so, keeping a distance. But for, I might misunderstand if you're back in my argument up here. We, we've got the character that we need. He's broken, so he's not really looking after Luke. Doesn't matter. No, no, no. We're, no, I, we're I, never, we're never going to settle this. You no, know, I just have yeah. polar opposites on this one. No, no. I, I, I <laughs> see. This is what I'm saying. I'm saying that there is a need because New Hope. He seems quite jolly, living <laughs> on his own with the sand people in a canyon, and he's not. He's not too focused on Luke as a character. You know, because when he appears, he's like, oh, I, you know. But whereas at the end of Revenge of the Sith, he walks away. You know, absolutely defeated. Like that's the three movies. He's over one essentially at the end of that movie, getting having his fucking ass handed to him. Okay. And, and this film, I found patched that. You've also got. I feel it was really good. Right, going back to the TV show, I really and I know the internet has turned its ugly heads again with racism in particular in Star Wars universe. But I thought Moses Ingram's character as well was the anchor for that because whereas he failed Anakin, he was able to save someone else, and that's just really good writing. 
Oh, that, to me, that story needed to go elsewhere. Like, like without going to spoilers, I thought she'd take a different narration, but then she kind of disappears. Mm. Um, okay, are you understand that? I disagree with it, mm. but I'm a big boy. I can handle worlds with opposite opinions. I would say that Disney, since they took over from George Lucas, the license of Disney uh, of Star Wars, the one thing that they have managed to successfully do is make Darth Vader yeah. a legitimate badass. Completely. From yeah. Rogue One to absolute smashing stuff. Now, when you started first watching Iron Watch, that you told me about a scene in episode three or two where Darth Vader gets pretty dark. Phenomenal. When I watched that, I was like, oh my God, what the fuck? That is going to scare kids. Episode three. Yeah. And he's walking through that village and he's and stabbing doing the, next. Yeah. And he's like, just dragging people as well. Just, just being a dick. Yeah, <laughs> just, just being a legit dick. Oh, dude, that that would scare a kid. Um, then without spoilers, you know, he gets into a fight. I thought this was all good, but I thought it was leading somewhere. It's like, so the relationship, and they do flashbacks, and they're training, and it's always how like everyone is the master, and always has that little edge on him. But by the end of the six episodes, I genuinely was like Darth Vader. I was like, I don't know what story arc you've gone on. I don't know what story arc everyone's gone on. I don't, to me, there's been no point to make it because nothing's changed. Everyone's, oh, sorry, everyone's where they need to be. Now, maybe it's because I'm not, I'm not watching or I'm not that invested as you are, for example. Mm. But I liked it for what it was. But ultimately, I do not understand why it was made. I was underwhelmed. The last episode's really good. The third episode's really good. But it's not the story that's made it really good. It's the action. Oh yeah, I agree with that. And then going back when I said that I, I don't think it's a perfect show. Don't get me wrong, yeah. it's the lightsaber scenes that you save it. That, yeah, got my knickers fizzy. Although I'm gonna say this, and this is a bit of a spoiler. There is a ultimate line in the last episode where Darth Vader can use the words I have the high guard and he don't fucking say it. I was like, prick. Yeah. Again, great writing though. I said this to I said this to a friend like yesterday, like there's something about moving rocks with the force, which is like a rite of passage. You think yes. of, you think of like Luke when he's on uh, Dagobah doing his training with Yoda. You know, you think of Ray when she comes, when she emerges out of the tunnel at the end of um, the, oh, was it Last, Last Jedi? It was a, yeah, it was the second yeah, one. Wasn't it? Yeah, where she kind of moves the boulders. And in this, where again, Obi-Wan is, is, uh, fucking belt to me. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, again, it's like, it's again, it just links it all in together, doesn't it? There is awesome dialogue. And this is where I think Anakin Skywalker, uh, sorry, Hayden Christians, uh, he, he gets an apology, but it's like he's been marinating and he's been taking abuse. Something happens and you hear, the original voice of Darth Vader and interspiced with Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. And it's actually really, really good. But there is something that happened. I was quite, I was quite annoyed by this because I wanted more. I didn't really understand. Everyone was talking about how great it was. And I, I just don't see it. And I think that's what it is. It's just mm. one of these things I don't see. I'm a fan. I expect more. I wanted the story. Someone on the internet asked me, what did I expect to see? I told them, they said this. I was like, you don't get a point I'm making. I am a super fan. But I expect more. So if you're going to give me a big budget, you and McGregor come back, I wanted more. That's my own fault. I set my expectations mm. too high. That's on me. But, um, but this is again why I think it's this is Disney. So one of the things I love about Star Wars is every time it kind of reinvents itself, it's designed for a new young yeah. audience. Essentially, a group of people that will go out and buy the toys. Now, what they don't realise is even people like me in the mid-30s will still buy the toys. <laughs> but it's always targeted to the younger audiences. So you, those episodes where... You know, Luke, uh, where uh, Obi Wan is chasing a young Leia through the crowded streets and not being able to catch her. That's not for me, the thirty-five-year-old. Yeah, that is for the new generation of of kids that will grow on to learn who that Leia is and who she goes on to be. And I think sometimes with Star Wars, particularly this show more than any, and when I was watching Clone Wars, the animated TV show, you have to accept that there are there is stuff in there that is not for a thirty-five-year-old person. There, yeah. are, there are episodes in like there's whole there's whole runs in Clone Wars where it's like. Why are we on this planet with these? Oh, okay, it's probably to sell something, you know. Yeah. And I think I went to everyone 
hopefully with a real mature attitude. And I'm not saying that you did it. I'm, what, but for me, what I'm saying is- Fuck you. Aaron. No, what, what I mean is like- there <laughs> my no, finger. That, it was, <laughs> I, I, a lot of the time when I found myself going like, oh no, I was like, but it's not, that scene isn't for me. Because then when the scenes that were for me, I was like, oh my God, this is some of the best. It's like Rogue One. I love Rogue One. <laughs> Them last three minutes though, Rogue One, that's the bit in the cinema where I couldn't sit down. There's, um, so there's this great parable that I'll have is going back to Revenge of the Sith, which to me is one of the, the lesser- prequel films purely because they didn't they save themselves with lightsaber fights constantly my problem with the last battle between Anakin Skywalker Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi was it's too choreographed it's like they're dancing you know everything. but when in reality it should be about rage and just basically lumping shit out of each other and do you know what episode 6 you got that you got the fight that I wanted to see mm. in the film like a genuine like a proper force brawl it's yeah. just like I'm not gonna like flip over you I'm gonna throw a fucking mountain at you yeah I loved all that shit <laughs> I did love that and I liked the I liked the ending without spoilers no spoilers, but I think Darth Vader gives one of his most badass lines. Yeah. Like, and I was, I was legit but, like, and again, I was legit, I was like, that's cool. And going back to the reason why I think you need this show is because you, you need that scene mm. when Obi-Wan realises his friend is dead. Yeah. But, you know, even though there's someone in front of him, because then when they meet in No Hope and, you know, and, and all that kind of, it makes sense now that he's not like, Fucking Anakin. I heard you were still alive. I do. You know what I mean? That's why he never references it. And then, and I get that when you're doing prequel stuff, you your your end game, your you know, where you're going towards has already been predetermined by something that was made fifty years ago. Um but or under fifty years ago. But uh, you know, for me, I think they did the best to get to Alec Guinness is not going, fucking hell, Anakin. We had we had a run, didn't we, lads? Come on, you know, because boy. Yeah, he just how like, your legs. Oh, I chopped them off tonight. Yeah, you know what I mean? He's like <laughs> I, I, I remember that. I thought it's done I thought it's done really, really well. Um I do I, I do like up until the fact that he does look like a bitch at the end. I think Darth Vader again, Disney have not done wrong by. I think he's no. I think he's with that that young new upcoming character they've got made Darth Vader is gonna be around for a while, he's pretty badass. No, uh, like I say, just because I question it doesn't mean to say I didn't like mm. it. And I think that's where sometimes Fans, it's something that's going to come up next week, actually. Um, sometimes fans can't accept criticism of things that they love, despite the fact it comes from a, another fan from a place of love, if that makes sense. So, yeah. so whilst Obi-Wan, for me, is something I'd question why it was made, to be fair, I did watch it. So, you know, who's the bigger mug? The mug or the mug that follows him? There you go. There's a line from a new one. <laughs> I do. I thought that all the Easter eggs as well, all of them I was gagging for. And do you know what? They do work because he says that name when there's a wall of Jedi. And I then Googled it. And, you know, because he's like, oh, older run was here. I can't remember the I can't remember the character's name. And I was like, oh, it's from the extended universe. I love shit like that. Because mm. my biggest problem with the Star Wars universe is they don't get away from the Skywalkers. So if you've got to bring someone else up, yes. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, and I, I like the, you know, the, the certain end cameo and um, and all the little nods to the original. The, the dialogue that's just straight up lifted from Revenge of the Sith as well. I'll do what I have to. And all the mm. kind of lines that are just fan service. I will eat that shit up. Because it also, I've got Mandalorian and Book of Boba, which is kind of giving me new stuff. Obi-Wan, I just wanted it to bridge that gap. And I, I do, I do want to see, if there was another series of everyone I'd be happy if it's not Darth Vader I don't understand how they could do that though because basically at the end of that Darth Vader gets some pretty strict you know instructions like dude get the fuck over it <laughs> just move on you little dick yeah I think there is a story there about Darth Vader and I know that they're going to be desperate to try and do it but for me there's you know Bounty Hunters are cool you've got Bosk you've got no end of characters that you yeah. could go into Cad Bane is now in the live action show, series um, he came into the last episode of Book of Boba. You could bring him into uh, an Obi Wan spin-off. They have loads of interaction in 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 um, yeah, Clone Wars. So I didn't I, I, like I said just because I questioned it doesn't mean I didn't like I did enjoy myself. It's solid B minus 
for me. You know, I know we don't grade things, but that's just kind of mm. where my head's at. My experience of Star Wars has been really weird this week. So obviously I watched this. And then for no reason, for no reason, mate, and you're going to go, what was the reason? And I'm going to reply, no reason. I watched the last 20 minutes of Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do you want Because <laughs> I never read I hate that film. I think that film is one of the worst films of all time. I think Rise of Skywalker is is the most devoid film of any idea whatsoever. And I wanted to get to the line where Anakin says, because I thought I'd imagined it, so I just watched Obi-Wan. And I'm sure that we were in the cinema, you and I, because this is a film you made me go watch a second time and I hated it more. <laughs> right, so there's a line in it at the end when all the Jedi start talking to uh, Ridley, uh, Daisy, Ridley, Daisy. Yeah. And I'm sure Anakin says, bring order to the force like I did. And I wanted to double check that that happened. It fucking does. Fuck you, Rise of Skywalker. You are the worst film I've ever seen. But that, I mean, that's a bold statement. I mean, no, it's, it's not. It's, it's, I hate that film. I'd watch it. I'd watch it over any Adam Sandler movie. But Oh, sorry. It's definitely the worst Star Wars film. Oh, and, oh yeah, yeah. And I definitely think it's for the pigs. It's a devoid. If you look at it like as a part, it is devoid of anything new. But I don't want to, it's not, we're not about that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're about a good one. We call it that one. And, and, and yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot wrong with that last movie. But I just genuinely, I was like, I'm sure Anakin says this. I'm sure Aiden Christian says the words, I brought order to the wars. Did you piss? Because there's the story is, is, is like Darth Vader, like literally blows up planets with the Death Star yeah. and, and will snap necks left, right, center, killed younglings. Yeah. And I thought Obi-Wan, I thought a big behind the scene was going to be showing you that he didn't kill the younglings. No, no, he, it shows that he did. Oh my God, I was I wrong? It's like, no, let's show it again, but from this angle. Let's get, zoom in. <laughs> yeah. Just just really show the concentration on his face as he's just, slaughtering that nine-year-old. Just, just turns out he's not as good as he thought he was. Because, <laughs> you know, like all of the crimes of George Lucas putting him in at the end of Return of the Jedi as, the, as a force guy. I think that's the worst one. That is the worst one because you're like, he blew up a planet. <laughs> like multiple planets. <laughs> Especially when he looks like that, because how he appears is literally how he appears when he killed the kids. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, give me the old guy, the old guy that redeemed himself at the end. Yeah. Or the young boy when he was innocent before, you know, because that's the end of the day. If, just if, just if, a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Luke's like, who? <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, she us a six shot. All right. Okay, cool. <laughs> that redemption arc. There's no redemption for Vader to, to at the end of that movie. Like, okay, yeah, he, he, he took he out the emperor. the emperor. Yeah, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Did, still didn't kill him though, did he? No, inspires his grandkid though to, 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 to kill All I'm people. saying is like, do you know how hard it was as a kid to get a blue Peter badge? <laughs> and look, all he had to do was throw an old man over a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? When you say like that, it's still not, it's not a good guy redemption arc, is it? It's not like he like, like brought, I don't know, food to the old It's not like, like he I threw a planet. A, threw an old man into some electricity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. enough. No. But I, yeah, the, the only other thing I would say as well is Hugh McGregor, I thought at the end of this show, delivers one of his career best. What do you, and, it, and maybe it's because of the history he has with Hayden Christensen, the history he has with Star Wars. But I did find that last scene uh, when he was facing off against Darth Vader, I did find that look of just, just, you, you know, absolute fatigue getting exhaustion of like, you know, that, you know, you, you've, he has gone, you know, he yeah. did die. Um, but he needs to hear what Darth Vader has to say to be able to walk away. And I thought that scene was just, just so well done from both of them. I thought they really, really did pull it off. Like I say, there's two episodes in there that made no sense. There's a whole sequence on, um, on Darth Vader's like hidden base bit, which makes no sense whatsoever. I also don't understand, right. If, if you were like the most powerful Jedi in the world and someone cut your legs off and your arm off and then left you and set you on fire, why would you then make your base there? <laughs> This was like, yeah, lava. I'll hang around lava because nothing bad happened yeah. with me and lava before. We're, we're pals now. I'm immune to it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Take my legs again. I dare you. Come at me, bro. <laughs> but I just, I, I found, uh, and you know, there's, there's a good, you know, episode five, I think it was. There's like a whole sequence of like, we're in this corridor. Now we're in this corridor. Let's go back to that corridor. And I'm like, you've got the whole Star Wars universe to play with. It's like when you keep going back to Tatooine, there are other places than Tatooine that we can go to. I tell you what though, that doesn't make any sense is when you watch Obi-Wan, Rogue One, and you won't because fucking Darth Vader takes some fucking calm down pills, doesn't he? Because in this, he stops a ship. He slaughters everyone at the end of Rogue One and and then you won't be like... Oh, I'm a bit tired now. I'm just fucked, mate. <laughs> My robotic legs are knackered. <laughs> I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah, and someone on the internet would have said that he's used all his force up or yeah. so. You know, there'll be some reason for it or, or some He's, he's used it up for the next three films. <laughs> yeah. just, just can't be asked. That and that, that will always be the Achilles heel, isn't it, of that, that uh, although as great as the original trilogy is and was and as groundbreaking, now with modern advances in technology, it's very hard to slice them in. And th- one of the biggest is, yeah, you're right, it's the things like the lightsaber fights and Darth Vader, you're bigging it up as a double hard bastard. And then all of a sudden, no, no hope, he's like, hey, he force chokes a few people. But <laughs> yeah, just no no level to what he's on in, in some of the other films, uh, in, in some of the newer incarnations. But yeah, I, I think you uh, McGregor said that he'll do like three seasons as long as the storylines are good. I want to see Obi-Wan. The problem is, is you can't now get Obi-Wan being too big a Jedi. Yeah. Because you'll be like, well, we're these Inquisitors. Well, you know, you've got to keep bringing them back. Well, they, they do keep writing themselves in loopholes. And it's just, it's like, like you know, everyone in New Hope thinks he's dead. Oh, he's definitely old. You know, he's definitely passed. He, he can't be, he's definitely dead. But then everyone's just seen him alive. He's just made Darth Vader, you know, his bitch. And everyone knows that he's alive. Just don't understand why no one ever thinks to, you know, he, he's not very good hiding himself. <laughs> I think that's the problem. Uh, I, I think also the... Obviously, we've got the Ahsoka TV show coming out, um, which we're really excited about. And then we've, of course, got, or there's rumours of, um, the character of Cal, who was in the, played by uh, Cameron Monaghan, who was the animated game, The Fallen Order. Yeah. So they are on about a live-action adaptation of his character, Cal, coming into we're it. still playing that. Yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see I'd, that character I'd, as well. I, I just that. love a scene of him, like, parkouring through an old Imperial mm. junkyard. That was amazing. Have you seen Vader at the end of that game? You completed it? No. Vader at the end of that game. Oh my God. Again, you're like, where's, where's this Vader come from? <laughs> I'm fucking insane. Like, cause you, spoilers, you can't fight him because he's way above your level. So you just have to run from him. Oh, but okay. he's throwing everything at you. Really, really good scene. <laughs> Do you remember there was a game called End of the Matrix and you couldn't find the agents. Mm. You, you had to run away from them, but I put cheats on invisibility on my and genuinely spent two hours trying to fight one once. <laughs> Yeah. Just by the fact the game was just like, you can't find them. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Obi Wan to me, I loved it. It had its, it had errors to it. It had some real head scratching moments of like, come on. But to me, I, I really enjoyed it. I yeah, let's leave it there. Let's go into New Hope because I think Star Wars New Hope is definitely then worth a revisit. While we've got Star Wars in uh, trending at the moment, and everyone's kind of revisiting it, it's, it's always good to go back to the nineteen seventy seven classics. Something that I do, I think every year, I think at some point, I watch the original trilogy. Oh, that's cool. Mm. Um, completely unrelated, but Esther for the first time in my yearly watch of Airplane. So she watched Airplane. Oh, I did see that on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So she, uh, she's a huge fan. I, Hot Shots is next because that's the comedy style that they don't make anymore, and that's a shame. Like the literal spoof comedy. Yeah, so wrongfully accused because that was always my favourite. Yeah, but I know for a fact that thing is on Disney Plus Hot Shots, so I don't know if wrongly accused is. That's the rich. That's the only reason it's next. No, I haven't got the cast list or anything. I've just realised. Well, Star Wars uh, from 1977: A princess gets abducted by an evil space lord, leaving a young farmer to team up with a knight, a pilot, a big dog-like ape thing, 
Uh, two droids to save the princess and defeat an empire. We're going to talk about the movie that really, really was just changed Hollywood. I think it, it, one of the biggest, probably the biggest phenomenon uh, and one of the most influential and biggest franchises ever made. It's a movie directed by George Lucas, uh, who after the success of American Graffiti, United Artists were like, have you got any ideas that you can bring to the big screen? He was like, do you know what? Oh, do you want to know about this trade war? Oh my <laughs> No, they're not ready for that. And they were like, no, it's like, well, it's good. Wait till the late nineties before you drop that bad boy. No, instead he was like, I have a movie that's a space opera that's part Western, part James Bond, part fairy tale. The second draft of this movie was called Adventures of Starkiller, uh, Journal of the Wills Saga 1, The Star Wars. So it, it's working title, Jesus, I guess. I... <laughs> but originally the character was Luke Starkiller before uh, Luke Skywalker. Oh, but it's just Starkiller base. You know, you know, it's, uh, United Artists and Disney and Universal all read the script and went, nah, I'm all right, thanks, mate. Cheers, I'm going to have it. But 20th Century Fox <laughs> did like, Greenlight. Like, like brother and sister. Oh, yes. <laughs> Give it yes that, that don't come until later. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the uh, the eight million price tag, which eventually went up to eleven million after overspend budget. George Lucas making this movie uh, gave himself one hundred and fifty grand to direct to write and direct, which is massively under what most directors were getting at that time. But he did the cleverest thing in the world, James. Gave himself some uh, money. 100% of the merchandise, yes. Was, uh, and, the ex- and the exclusive deal to direct and write these sequels as well. So he had that written into his contract from day one. Um, inspiration for the movie came from Akira Kurosaka's 1958 movie, The Hidden Fortress, uh, sorry, Hidden Forest, which was um, about two peasants that had to save a princess using samurai swords. So uh, again, you can kind of see where the wheels were set in motion. Uh, and also when you look at some of the original drafts and original scripts it did go through various incarnations and ideas Luke Skywalker in one uh, idea was 60 years old and was a veteran um, uh, of of the um, of the rebels at oh, this point cool. um, there were versions where Han Solo was a reptile there was a there was a version where they were all dwarfs there was a version where they were all droids it, it went through absolute rewrites one of the best things I like about the Star Wars is that when it was originally released, it was released in 32 cinemas only. Um, and then after the success of Star Wars, it then went to 1,098 American cinemas. And to put that in perspective, Jaws only came out at 400. Ooh. And Star Wars is also the reason why in America, they changed the trend that when you bought a ticket, you could stay in the cinema all day. So it's so because people stay and watch Star Wars, we, we, we watch it. They needed to get people out to let the new bunch of people go in. So that's yeah, what, that sounds fucking awesome. So that changed the way that cinema was in oh, American yeah. history. Well, actually, it's not because it pissed me off because that's what I do on my day off. I would go to the cinema at nine a.m. <laughs> and I wouldn't leave. <laughs> the almost indie space drama uh, would also then go on to uh, be nominated for ten Oscars that year. And all the people that sniffed at it, that turned it down, people like Al Pacino who turned down the role for Han Solo because he said he just didn't get it. Uh, but the list of people that were signed on to the movie or, or audition but then didn't take the part is never ending for example Leah Gina Davis Angelica Houston Mel Streep Sigourney Weaver Linda Blair Bonnie uh, Bedelia B- Bonnie Dyer's Bedelia yeah, yeah. Dyer's wife John McClane's <laughs> wife Karen Allen uh, Jodie Foster turned it down due to already being signed on to other projects Mark Hamill took the role after his good friend and buddy Robert England had done the audition and then said he flunked it, came back and said to Luke, uh, said to Mark Hamill, I think you should go for it because I definitely haven't got it. 
and then Mark Hamill got it. But obviously, Robin Glenn would then go on to play Freddy Krueger anyway and get his franchise. That's cool. But Han Solo, yeah, Christopher Walken, Sliced Stallone, Nick Nolte, Kurt Russell. Excuse me, Chase. excuse me. Did you say fucking Kurt Russell and then and then earlier Sliced Stallone? Yeah. If you Nick go on, Nolte. Yeah, <laughs> mate. If you go on uh, YouTube, you can see Kurt Russell's original audition tape where, he's, where he's in the Han Solo outfit. Yeah, giving giving the lines. I reckon he afterwards he had that custom made. It's just like he must have done. Well, Harrison Ford, so there's the old thing. And again, a lot of this is speculation. This is, so well, he had done films and yeah. he had done American Graffiti. Lucas was like, I don't want to work with anyone I've already worked with. Um, Harrison Ford's career, then, uh, career somewhat dried up. So he went back to being a carpenter. Um, and then George Lucas was like, can you come in and read for this part? Can you read across and, and help me audition other actors? And they couldn't find anyone that stuck with Han Solo. And the big names like Yves Pacino's were turning it down. Um so then he, he eventually was like, would well, you just want to do it? And then kind of twisted Harrison Ford into doing it. Alec Guinness uh, kind of accepted the role, not really knowing what he was signing up to, but signed up for the 2% royalties that he would get from it. Yeah, so he would make it, 18 million off this film. Yeah, he hates that this is his most famous film. Um, it, I don't I think, think he liked... I think, I think he did... I think that's what Letters suggested, but he like publicly was like, no, it's what. <laughs> yeah, he didn't want to do any publicity for it, he said, until mm. until that second movie came out. And then all of a sudden he was like, yeah, I was in the first. So um, <laughs> Money! <laughs> but he didn't do any promotion for it. And yeah, and there were letters at the time that he was writing on set, that which was kind of slagging it off somewhat, saying that he didn't really understand it. But he, kept, he keeps using the reference, the bread is too good, which I assume means the money. The money. <laughs> or, mate, great bread. <laughs> maybe, he's catering, very, yeah. maybe he's very literal. It's like they brought on this fucking cheese-based bread. Man. It's fucking delicious. <laughs> what I do like about the movie as well is it's shot in different locations and they did use London Studios, Pinewood Studios, to do some of the filming and some of the mono, uh, the modelling. Uh, and it ran over budget and ran over its time course because the studio shot at five. And I quite like that. It's like, come on, guys, you've really got to wrap this up. We, we shot at five o'clock. You need to get out. I don't care what you're making. <laughs> I need to go to the cinema tomorrow and spend all day in there. But that <laughs> doing nothing. <laughs> but again, you know, that was the place, you know, and still is, you know, you think of films like Alien being shot there and kind of sharing sound stages and sets. Um, you know, uh, uh, Carrie was being auditioned at the same time as Star Wars and there were actors were going bouncing from what a weird day that is auditioning for Carrie in the morning and then going for Star Wars in the afternoon. Fucking hell. So that means that John Travolta could have auditioned for both. Yeah, I imagine John Travolta probably auditioned for Han Solo shortly. Jesus Christ. Um, let's get into the movie before I geek out in any more detail. But yeah, I, I really look forward to discussing New Hope. Okay, right. A long time ago in a galaxy. Far, far away. Some giant words just flying through this guy. No, there's a civil war. The rebels, hidden away in their secret base, have won their first battle against the Galactic Empire. They have stolen the plans to the highly secretive Death Star. Mm. Ooh. Awesome name. It is, it's, and, it gets, and it's in capitals as well. It's like, you need to know this. Mm. <laughs> Princess Leia must race home with the plans that can save her people and free the galaxy. And then we do that thing where we span out in space away from the words. And what do we find? We find a tiny ship is being shot out by a massive cruiser. And boy, does it miss those shots. <laughs> um, we meet C-3PO, a camp golden robot, and his friend R2-D2, the biggest baller in Star Wars history. He is, mate. Now, if you've watched all of Star Wars, all of Star Wars, yeah. you do come to realise R2-D2 is the boy. Actually, it's funny you should mention this because as an older person, I've come to greatly appreciate another character, which at the end, I have a thesis on why he's the real hero of Star Wars. Or maybe she. But it is R2. I'm going to talk about that Stormtroopers begin to board the ship as they take the rebel guards, who for some reason are all wearing cycle helmets from the 90s. <laughs> um, enter Darth Vader, who looks among the dead with a certain sassy head shake. 
Now, I love... When you watch this from the principle of you've just seen him destroy it, he comes in and just shakes his head. <laughs> there's a, there's a, I'll say it now. There's a lot of... Because obviously David Prowse was the body of Vader. Yes. James Earl Jones was cast as the voice. Um, there is a lot of the voice being out of sync with the what movement. David Prowse is doing. Yeah. There's a scene later on in the board, with the Death Star boardroom where... <laughs> Like David Prowse raises his hand and shakes it at someone way after the line was delivered. <laughs> but, but it's, it's noticeable in this beginning scene, isn't it? It's kind of like David Prowse's strategy is just what makes him look really intimidating. Just holds onto his belt a lot. <laughs> yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, RTD2 gets given a secret message from Princess Leia and the two scarper. Meanwhile, Darth Vader chokes a man to death and wonders why he doesn't answer it. <laughs> so that happens. He's shaking him. The man is dead. He's like, after he's killed him, he still asks him questions and then is annoyed that he doesn't answer him. It's not a great strategy, is it? Like, I find that when you want an answer from someone, don't choke him. Stop choking him. Just imagine that, 1977, you're in the cinema. Yeah. Darth Vader, like, comes on screen in that scene. It is all badass. The whole set, the whole, the whole look of... These movies, you're talking about The Crawl at the beginning. So The Crawl was written by Brian De Palma. Okay. So Brian De Palma was doing Carrie at the time. Got an early uh, screen. So him and George Lucas obviously know each other from, from I, I imagine, the, the Writers Guild. But um, when George Lucas had the first draft of the movie, Brian De Palma watched it. The, the opening sequence is like, what the hell is going on? You need, you need a crawl. So then George Lucas being George Lucas wrote six pages worth of dialogue. And Brad Palmer was like, give it to me. And he shorted it into the three paragraphs that we now know. See, that's what happens when you don't have someone to do that. You get episode one, two, and three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> that's what you get. But Ralph McQuarrie was the uh, the concept artist for the Stormtroopers, Darth Vader, the Death Star, the X-Wings, the TIE Fighters, R2, C-3PO, you know, you, so yes, it came from the mind of Lucas, but Ralph McQuarrie was the person that put pen to paper. And you've got to think it's those those artist illustrations that help the uh, help the board finance and greed like this film. This is going to sound really, really stupid. And it's probably something that we're not having in comparison, but it's naturally going to come up now. It's the crawls for episodes four, five, and six set the scene in ways that episodes one, two, and three confuse you and seven, eight, nine are just shit. Mm. The crawls actually give you enough. So you know that there's a galactic empire you know that there's a rebel alliance and you know that she's got the plans. You know the storyline, everything you need to know, and you don't have to sit through six pages. Whereas in the first episode one, it's like, there's a trade war. And you're yeah. like, what, what the fuck have I walked into? And that's not, I'm not going to constantly ever go to prequel, but you get three paragraphs and it's like, this is all you need to know. And you don't need to know anything else. Yeah. The, the film will tell you the rest of it. But I, I do like that as well, how the film starts with the two droids and then the villains storming the ship. And yeah. You, the the, the henchman going first and then your big bad walks in straight away from the start of this movie it's kind of like He-Man mate you see Skeletor early on in that movie there's a weird thing when I was watching this as a kid it zooms in on one of the rebel fighters and he gets shot and it zooms in in his dead face afterwards and I always thought that was Luke Skywalker's dad I don't know why I just it just I thought oh it's Darth Vader uh, Luke Skywalker only because later everyone's like oh he killed your father so I was like oh is that the guy that we saw at the beginning I, which would have been <laughs> they're making a real point of this dead guy yeah, like, he like, was like, something was like why's this old white guy got so um, stormtroopers do something that doesn't happen throughout the rest of the Star Wars trilogy they hit their target they as do, they yeah. stun the princess the two droids get the fuck out of Dodge and get in an escape pod and then jettison themselves to the planet below. An officer has the chance to blow up the energy, uh, blow up the escape shuttle, but doesn't. I mean, if it cost me £200 to power my house, imagine the fucking cost of a laser gun. They're shooting it willy-nilly, mate, at the beginning when they're chasing <laughs> yeah, that <no>. ship. <laughs> no, no, no time for it. <clears throat> 
Darth Vader takes Leia hostage and sends men to check the planet below for signs of the plans that the rebels have stolen. Tatooine is the name of the planet below. It's full of sand dunes. At least we know why Vader doesn't go down himself. <gasps> Which is home planet, isn't it? Um, you would have thought you would have thought look out the window and be like, oh, I've been there in years. Just like I wonder if I know anyone there. Yeah. Because even when I I don't live in Lincoln anymore, when I come back, I'm like, oh my, text Aaron, see how he is. <laughs> That's definitely gonna call next week, isn't it? <laughs> in my episode of things that the things that bug the shit out of me is the one place he doesn't check <laughs> his son is his home planet. And he doesn't look 30 miles down the road from where he's born. Yeah. And be or, like, oh he's got the same surname as or me. Or just or just like Google, yeah, Skywalker or Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> the droids part ways and travel the wasteland alone. They are each individually picked up by the Jawas. Think of them as small, creepy Dell boys, intergalactic traders, always up for dodgy deals and fast money. I but, like Jawas, mate. Well, quick question. What was the point of separating the characters? <laughs> because they literally get found. You don't learn anything new. What is the idea that if they stood together, they would have taken out the Jawas? <laughs> I, I, I like Jawas because they're, they're the, although in this one, obviously these guys will get slaughtered in a bit. Mm. But Jawas are like the rodents, aren't they? They kind of survive. They're the grafters, the cheeky ones. You know, they're robbing stuff and then selling it back to you. So the exact thing that you need, they've robbed it off you and they're selling it to you. <laughs> One of my favourite things, actually, is the ship. Uh, the, it's kind of like a land cruiser. It's mm. massive. It's like basically a triangle on wheels. It looks awesome. And then inside, and I've actually got this, it's one of my favourite scenes even as a child you have droids that are literally talking there's no subtitles so all you hear is a series of beeps they could be talking about anything mm. you are in an alien world it, it does a very good job as a fantasy world this place is just full of droids yeah. just, just deal with it and I was like as a kid I'm like this is amazing what are they saying probably something racist I don't know, I don't know what droids are like <laughs> <laughs> droids that's why R2D2 don't get subtitles because you know he's right <laughs> filth coming out of that man's mouth <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I really like uh, I really like the opening of the movie. It kind of sets it really fast. You like, God, there's this evil Dark Lord who can choke a man, like lift him off the ground. You've got these stormtroopers, princesses, you know, pla- what's the Death Star? They've got plans to it. Fucking hell, what's going on? It's episode four. What happened to the first three? Utd, mate. I love a bit of Utd. Utd. The droids are sold to local farmer Owen Skywalker, although only because C-3PO sticks up for R2-D2 after they wild red. Not for Red Mate. Apparently Red's got backstory coming on, or has that already happened? Is that R2D4, the other guy? Yeah. Yeah. It was he who was telling me. Apparently he's got quite the backstory. I like to think he's crack. <laughs> <laughs> Owen tells his nephew, local nobody, Luke Skywalker, to take the droids to get cleaned up. Luke responds that he wanted to go to town to pick up some power converters, and Owen tells him he can play with his friends later. Wow, Luke is definitely a friendless freak. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I want to go play with some, some power converters, and he's like, with your friends? Yeah. <laughs> no, you nerd. <laughs> We've got to harvest moisture. <laughs> I like as well, because like, in the next scene, we're like, Owen's like, you can't, like, you can't go to school next year, like, you know, because it's the big harvest. You look out the window, where? What is go- I, don't know. I know it's underground, or they insinuate that it's underground, but... Well, we need to learn about Luke, so let's say he's nice. So Luke washes them <laughs> in a very lovely scene. Um, I don't know how the droids feel it. Why would you program a robot to feel things? <laughs> um, Luke finds out that the droids are in the rebellion and jizzes his pants. Mm. <laughs> he fucking loves it, while accidentally unlocking part of a secret message that Leia had stored in R2-D2. Ooh. So essentially, he Help approached the penis. Yes. <laughs> and R2-D2 very quickly was like, oh yeah, video. <laughs> The message mentions an Obi-Wan Kenobi and R2-D-C, because I'm an idiot, refuses to give up any more information. Luke thinks it might be reference to a man who lives in the Sandy Dune called Old Ben Kenobi. Mm, Luke, not the smartest cookie. <laughs> Up until this point, though, what are you thinking in terms of how it ages from 77 
Bear in mind, we watched Inner Space recently. I love. I, I hold up. It does hold up. I it? think. I think not now. Well, actually, probably at the beginning. But when the Millennium Falcon and the Death Star, the models. Mm. You and I have always been fan of practical effects. Yeah. And that's one thing I will say about Lucas Arts, the Lucas Films. Mm. Even before they bought Disney, they were still the forefront of CGI. When you watch the prequel trilogy, they're still very well done. But the models, there's quite quite like an antique feel. Like we've lost that art of cinema. Like I imagine. You don't, and I could be completely wrong. I imagine if you craft something with hands and then see it on the big screen, is a lot more impressive than someone who's com- created on a computer. If that makes mm. sense. So I, I still, I think it holds up. I think um, it's great. Yeah. The only thing that actually you jars you is like later when they use lightsabers. Obviously, they use stop, stop, start, cut edits, and it really shows because every time he starts it, all the characters when they open their lightsabers are then in a different like location than they mm. were before. So it's a bit jarring. But other than that, I. Well, hold up. Yeah, I think it does. I, and I like the monitor use, you know, and, and they kind of, I like all that kind of set stuff. Mm. Um, I, I like the look as well. RTD2 and uh, C3PO, obviously we know C3PO in other incarnations kind of really shiny. Sometimes there's a metal arm. This one, it does look roadworn. It does look like they are, you know, that they've done the time, you know, yeah. and, and again, it goes back to, you know, now knowing the prequels and knowing things like the Clone Wars TV series, that like all the adventures and stuff that they go through. But, also interestingly, Anthony Daniels, who plays C-3PO and, and uh, Kenny Baker, who played... They didn't like each other, did they? they? didn't like each other. They weren't allowed to comic cons together or they wouldn't go to comic cons together. They'd work around each other's schedules. And there's also a rumour that um, Prowse wouldn't go to comic cons as well. That Aww. George Lucas wouldn't let him because he was very vocal after he got shit canned from doing the voice. So he yeah. thought he was going to get the voice. But you can go on YouTube and hear. And it doesn't work. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And um, it's not like, like a big Scottish jab of the heart. It just <laughs> doesn't work. But he, uh, he then started talking, I think quite openly that he felt he was victim to reverse racism where, because there wasn't any, uh, or very few black actors There's in, none in this film. In, in this film. Later on, obviously some do come in, yeah. but he, he, in his words, it was that they brought in, a voice of a black actor to kind of try and eliminate that, which isn't the case. It's because he's just James Earl Jones has a great voice. It's, it's the, the 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 role requires a voice with gravitas. You need Darth Vader to boom because if he, if if this guy comes in, he's like, "Hello, boys, <laughs> I'm gonna kill you." <laughs> I listened to an interview with James Earl Jones, who's like, "He goes, I was brought in and um, I got paid eight grand. I can't believe that only eight thousand for the first movie. It's like fuck off. Like if I someone offered me eight grand now to say what is essentially what." 30 lines that Darth Vader has? Yeah. That seems pretty good in any time frame. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, eight grand. Like, that must be a couple hundred quid a word by this point. Yeah. It's, it's not like he's got a huge soliloquies. What are you on about? He's got, like, the biggest speech. He's like, give me the... Uh, no, it's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but for the rest of it, I've called R2DC. So I just have to remember to not say that. R2D2, which I didn't really understand as a kid... I have no, it's not this time that I listened to, but I really cool. He tricks Luke into removing the restraining bolt, the machine that stops him from leaving the Skywalker farm. He basically says, Oh, you can get the rest of the message, but this restraining bolt's stopping it. So Luke removes it and he's like, What message? What? <laughs> yeah. Such a dick move. It's like, it's like I MVP. Don't you, I don't know if you remember answering machines. That's what I like. Oh, I need to write this number down, press play. He's like, What, what message? Deleted. <laughs> what? Hey. Um, uh, later that, uh, so basically. RTD2's off, and later that night he's off on an adventure. Luke, meanwhile, has dinner with the family who tell him that Obi-Wan Kenobi died the same time as his father, and that there is too much of his father in him. Ooh. Now, Luke looks out as the two sons set, and no, you know, I, I slag things off all the time. As John Williams' music plays the original Star Wars theme, 
at a near 12 volume. So it's really loud. It almost bursts your eardrum as Luke literally stands out in the dunes and watches two songs there. And I'm going to say it's one of my favourite scenes of all time. Yeah. it's it, it Basically, it's sci-fi opera. It is science fiction at its best. There's that, nothing happens. He sits and watches the sun. I'm not joking, mate. It's one of my favourite Star Wars moments. Yeah, there's also a really nice, I mean, it's not nice, but there's an image later on when he comes back to his the home and, and Ben and uh, Beru have both passed. Yeah. And again, there's a shot of him. That's his becoming. That's his awakening. That's that's his license to know he needs to go on this big adventure. And also, that's what this movie is. This is movie is about an adventure from someone from the small town. We've seen it all the time. It's, it's, it's a rehashed storyline of the person whose life is, you know, is very mundane getting swept up into a galactic adventure. It's huge. Um, but yeah, the the first act of this movie, there's quite a few shots of that, which really make Luke Skywalker look just the tits, don't it? Like yeah. really good leading uh, hero. I also felt, just going watching that again this week, um, do you know um, Ben in it? Yeah. Uh, not Ben, sorry. Um, Uncle Owen. Yeah. I, I thought... The, the Obi-Wan series, and I can't, who was it who plays him? Oh, no, I don't remember the advert, I can't remember the advert's name. He was in, uh, he was in like Warrior and uh, Green yeah. Knight and stuff. He, I thought he carried that character. I thought that's seamless. You know, it's like the uncle is like, no fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, we're going to, we're going to farm moisture for our entire lives. Mate, the man loves moisture. <laughs> he absolutely does. But it's I, like the opposite of Anakin who hated sand. He's like, well, I'll do something about it then. <laughs> I'll bring, I'll bring moisture to the world. Not just complain about sand, you prick. <laughs> I thought it was really, really good. I thought, I, you know, the seamless transition, um, you know, of those characters and that, 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 yeah, sorry, that, that actor, but yeah, sorry. That's fine. And Luke sets out in the morning to get back the droid before his uncle beats the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> they catch up with the little droid, but are soon attacked by the sand people, a nomadic species that live in the desert and pretty much hate everything and everyone. Think of them as Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> While they ransack Luke's speeder, a loud, weird howl is heard that scares the sand people away. The howl came from an older man, Ben Kenobi. Can I just say, the fact that that Jedi power never comes up again in the next one fucking disappoints me. I know. Just to be great if he's fighting Darth Vader, he's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> fucking scares him away. Would have been amazing. Um, Luke introduces R2-D2 to the man who admits that he is in fact Obi-Wan Kenobi, but he has no memory of owning a droid. Fuck you, man. That droid saved your life multiple times and the other one was created by your best mate. <laughs> So, the heartache. So fuck you. Obviously, obviously now we know that because of the prequels and, and all the, uh, but yeah, that is, that is the, that's still, I mean, that's the biggest injustice so far in the Star Wars universe. Isn't it? Like, if R2, there should be subtitles going, what the fuck? What? Who? What do you mean who? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, have some respect. Neil. <laughs> oh, back at old man Kenobi's house, Obi-Wan explains that Luke's father was a Jedi Knight that fought in the Clone War and passes on his father's lightsaber. Obi-Wan explains that Luke's father was betrayed and murdered by a young Jedi Knight called Darth Vader. He also explains the Force, a mythical type power that binds the universe together. This talk triggers the full message from Leia, which is a plea for help to get the droid to Alderaan. So also something that is uh, a dying thing now is now, now nowadays you have to earn this shit. Yes. You know, you look at Rey in, in, um, in uh, Force Awakens you know, you, her getting her hands on a lightsaber or being trained or whatever, you have to get through that first movie for it to turn up to like Luke's Island and be like, train me, you know, and, and you, you know, where's this? It's just like, I'm looking for a Jedi. It, it's me. It's, oh shit, I found you. <laughs> and here's a lightsaber. Oh, cool. I'm brilliant. Off we go. Got everything we need. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Obi-Wan asks Luke to come with him, but Luke doesn't have the guts until he uncovers the Jawas that sold him the droids dead and his uncle and aunt burnt to death outside the home. Luke decides to go with Obi-Wan. He really doesn't give a shit. They are dead. The, the, the whole This whole film is devoid of uh, emotion. Of emotion. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's bits where entire like, home planets blow up and you're like, oh shit. Well, what, what, what I love about it is is at the end when he gets the most annoyed, but we'll get on to that. Yeah, you would have thought there'd be a, no! Yeah, it was just like, like I'm coming, you know. Yeah, yeah shit. Yeah, I've got go. no reason to stay. Obviously, not going to moisture any. You're not going to farm any moisture. <laughs> that's tomorrow. the that's the most disappointing yeah. thing. It goes inside. Oh, someone left the blue milk out. <laughs> There's no need to stay here. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned this earlier. At a manager meeting, all the heads of the empire are having a pissing contest. Some worry about the rebellion. Some think the Death Star is too mighty. The emperor loves the Death Star so much that he's dissolved the Senate and plans to rule through fear alone. So the Death Star can blow up a planet, mate. This is obviously where we've got, um, what's his name? Peter Cushion. Peter Cushion. The as- Hammer Horror veteran coming in who hated the outfit so much and it was so uncomfortable. The reason why you never see his feet is because uh, he was wearing uh, fluffy slippers the whole really? time. Yeah. Oh, so cool. all them scenes at the Death Star boardroom and all, <laughs> just, that, all that like Nazi looking kind of imagery. Just got some fluffy, <laughs> fluffy slippers. Yeah. Which I think, I think is why you see his feet the CGI feet in Rogue One. Oh, right. As a nod so, to so like, like, he's got feet. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's not wearing slippers <laughs> in this one. Fuck it out. Um, but yeah, uh, one such member of the team slags off the force, which is apparently a trigger of Darth Vader who shakes him using the power of the force. Now, uh, Tarkin tells him to stop and he does. Now, I never really understood what you thought about their relationship because to me, Tarkin is the boy. Mm. I like Darth Tarkin. Oh, he's not Darth, is he? He's a general Tarkin. But I feel like if, uh, Peter Cushing's the main baddie and that kind of limits what you then know about Darth Vader. Just kind of limit his, when you watch it from like the extended universe, it's kind of, it slows him down. Not it doesn't slow him down. It makes him seem less of a menace to what I'm going to say. On Tatooine, Obi-Wan uses the force to get out of trouble with stormtroopers and meets a Wookiee called Chewbacca. So that's a pretty good scene. We see the force in use and the good guy is forcing people to change their mind. But pretty cool. You want to know what's going on? They have to slowly dip your toes into the force. They don't want to throw too much at you so you can show you use the force to persuade those weak-minded. That's a good scene. I like that. That's the only thing. This is, to me, this is offset by all the CGI that was added. So yeah. what you have is in the background, you have these CGI monsters because of the re-edits just walking past and they they feel out of place because they're not, they draw your attention away from the scene. And that's the problem throughout all of this. You you get taken away from the scene because George Lucas has added, there's this, in Tatooine, there's a fucking like hovering robot that flies around everywhere. And it's the only thing I could keep attention of. It was just, it was like, that was never there. It looks shit. And it's just, it puts you <laughs> off. Sorry. Well, you know. the, I, I like as well though, a lot of the dialogue up until this point. So when this was the standalone movie, this was the only Star Wars movie. This was the original. Yeah. A lot of the the wording as well about the things like, you know, they refer to Ben as a wizard at one point. You know, there's um, there's uh, one of the one of the Death Star like commanders. He's kind of like your clairvoyancy doesn't work here. Crystal ball kind of stuff. Mm. It has a lot of like like the the kind of dialogue in it has that whole kind of like, like medieval fairy tale feel to it. Yeah, it's completely lost later on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what I'm saying is more wizards, James. <laughs> more, I know what you mean. It's like it's it's the sci-fi world, and like all the sci-fi generals are like. Magic's bullshit. Yeah. We, we go, go, go look at the crystal ball, you know, but the and man then, can choke you from but, across the room. But then the man chokes you. <laughs> so don't say so, this so shit. Don't, so don't piss off the space wizard. <laughs> <laughs> With the big red swords. While this happens, 
Luke pisses off two criminals just because of his face. Been there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Obi-Wan steps in and chops his arm off and no one in the bar gives a shit. I do like in Rogue One when them two appear. Yeah, that, that's that's brilliant. I really did actually like that. And I'm going to say this now, Rogue One's a brilliant film. I, I very little bad things to say about it. Um, they book passage on a ship called the Millennium Falcon, captained by lovable rogue Han Solo. They arrange a fee and they get ready to set off. But before Solo can leave, he's cornered by a bounty hunter named Greedo, who works for Jabba the Hutt. Mm. Turns out that Solo owes Jabba money for dumping cargo we were supposed to be smuggling. They talk back and forth, and Solo secretly readies his gun and shoots Greedo dead. No matter which edit you watch, Solo shot first. He did, yeah. He did. Yeah. And that's how I grew up, and I know... So I didn't realise the reason they changed that was to keep a PG rating when they changed... That was you that told me that, but I was like, no, he shoots first because it makes it... He's not a good guy. He's yeah. A sm- he's a smuggler, and it, I love the fact they keep it, he's a smuggler. People, spice, you know, drugs, could be anything. He's obviously smuggling bad shit because mm. you don't smuggle rainbows. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, even Luke references his dad at the beginning as a as a, uh, as a spice hauler. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the... Um, that whole Han Solo scene is why well, an introduction to Han Solo. Again, you you worry that in a movie that he's got so much going on with it, with the young farm boy, the two droids, the princess, the Dark Lord, the Empire, the Death Star, all this kind of stuff. And it's uh, introducing now a new character who's wanted by a bounty hunter. And, you know, and straight away, you're not supposed to like the guy, the lovable rogue. You know, Harrison Ford, you know, a lot of people kind of go to Indiana Jones as his, as his, uh, his, his iconic role. And it probably is. I think yeah. if I was going to say, who do I like my Harrison Ford most, it's probably Indiana Jones. But he, he's a very good character, Han Solo, because yeah. you can't have another good guy yeah, when you've you, got Luke, you've got Obi-Wan. The tweener, mate, he does bad things, but he's got a heart of gold, but doesn't mind being bad. As long as the money's right. But then exactly. he gets the arc at the end when he realises what the right thing to do is, and yeah. they help his friends. It's disappointing, isn't it? I quite like it. Because again, that's a reoccurring thing from Star Wars, isn't it? Yoda's like, stay here, finish your training, go see your friends. He goes see his friends. Mandalorian. Little Yoda, Grogu's given the choice to stay, finish his training with Luke or go save your friends. Luke gives him that option knowing the right choice is go see your friends. It's the rite of passage kind of thing that, that is threaded through all of Star Wars. Spoilers, mate. It's him as well. Eh? Oh, sorry. Cock. On his way to the ship, he comes across Jabba the Hutt who is waiting for him. It's a thing. Move on. I really didn't like it. I, I, I don't mind it. it. I, 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 I don't. I mean, I, I think it's because it's a scene to me, right? So isn't it more impressive that you don't see Jabba the Hutt until the third one? Is, is it more of the name? Well, it's, it's, it's the thing in the original. Hutt comes in the, up in the first two. So in the original, though, like in this scene, you had it, it, so it's Declan no, Mulligan. No, in the original, this wasn't even there because they cut it. So in the original, when I was growing up, this scene doesn't exist. All oh, right, but they obviously filmed it. But they did film with it with a Scottish then, bloke. With a Scottish bloke, and then they added, Jabba. and then they changed it to let's be honest, one of the worst bits of CGI. If, in history, the '97 one, yeah, and I just think it looks like but the crap. 2004 one. It looked Jabba looks better, but they've put in Boba Fett, which I think yeah. that was the bit that really pissed people off. Yeah, so um, yeah, so so to me, I hate this scene, and I remember a time when I, this scene wasn't even part of it because oh, it makes more sense for I him know to it gets, never. It gets under a lot of Star Wars fans' like skin, but I've never minded it. I, it just it's what it is, isn't it? Do you remember without it though? No, no, yeah, that's what I mean. So so it's also he shoots a man because Jabba Hutt's looking for him. And then he sees him anyway. So what's the point? Oh, well, tonally yeah. that don't work. And then yeah. Jabba's like, yeah, I'll give you, all right. So yeah, he's like, 12%. He's like, oh, you're a good guy. But also he's a lot smaller than he is in fucking the Empire Strikes. Uh, not Empire Strikes. Yeah, Strikes. size is weird, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so I hated it. I, I And I'm, I I am one of those people, I detest it. I'm like, what point in the scene? I've moved past it all the time. I'm just like, get fucked. Um, the stormtroopers are hot on their tail thanks to an anti. <laughs> it's an anti that's been following them around. 
<laughs> I fucking love the aliens in this. <laughs> I love them. The stormtroopers are on their tail and a gunfight happens before they can take off. They barely escape, but as they enter space, they encounter a couple of Star Destroyers. But luckily, Solo has a few tricks up his sleeve, like slowly drifting to the left. But don't knock it. It works. <laughs> I like as well, even in this one, going back to, I know we're talking about this movie, but you can't ignore the extended universe. You know, if you look at the solo movie, you, you know, the, the Millennium Falcon has trade changed hands, even actually in the sequel trilogy, yeah. you know, they get the Millennium Falcon back. And in that, he doesn't say, I did the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. He says, it's the ship that did, did it. The Kessel Run. So he never actually, even in that movie, you know, in 77, never said that he did it. The ship is its own entity. And if you see some of its own characters, sorry. And if you see some of the original prototypes of the ship, it looks... It looks nothing, you know, the Millennium Falcon now, so, the iconic look. So this is, this is a general, this is not a generational thing. This is a, you know, Star Trek. Yeah. Star Trek ships are symmetrical. You know, they've got the two nacelles, you know, they look the same. There's a standard. Mm. Genuinely, the Millennium Falcon looked so different to me as a kid. It really brought me in because I was like, oh, what? So they're in that cockpit. They're not, mm. so they can't see basically the left of the ship. You know, I, it, was, it was something that fascinated me because it looked so different to the spaceships I was used to. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. And Leia was turning out to be very good at resisting interrogation from the Empire. So General Tarkin sets course for Alderaan, the princess's home planet. He plans to use the power of the station to destroy her homeworld. Leia gives a different planet, Dantooine. Prick. <laughs> just I'm, right. I'm gonna Every, everyone on Dan Tween right then is like you fucking what, what? Yeah, it's, exactly. not it's just like you absolute knob biscuit <laughs> <laughs> fucking point your laser somewhere else yeah but what I love about it what I love about talking is like nah fuck that I still, I'm, I'm here now yeah <laughs> just I'm not going hold on it's closer let's blow that shit up <laughs> um, this gives Obi-Wan a bit of indigestion as he felt the death through the force Meanwhile, Luke is training and Solo tells him he doesn't believe in the Force, despite there being several fucking real-life examples only 19 years ago and a whole society that Jedi were a part of. <laughs> um, also, Luke heard about the Jedi earlier that day. <laughs> so you've got two two forms of extremism. You've got someone who's like, it's like someone who denies climate change, <laughs> despite the fact it's quite clearly happening, and someone who's just like, yeah, God's real, because someone told me. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Um Obi-Wan makes his tr- uh, makes him train without the use of his eyes. Makes him pull down the blast fighter. Hmm. Use your instinct, mate. Probably won't come up again. It's no. fine. But then you do get that cool scene, which you like as a kid, but but offers nothing as an adult. You still love it. The chess scene. It is a chess scene, yeah. Which is like holographic chess, but they're, they're monsters and mm. he's playing R2-D2. R2-D2 was saying Chewbacca. What I love about this is Chewbacca, if he loses, he's going to pull off the arms, which isn't a threat to R2-D2, it's a threat to C-3PO, who's done nothing. <laughs> that's, that's why r 2 is balling. He's like, go on then, boy. Come on. Uh, when the Falcon gets to Alderaan, there is nothing but a meteor field. They find a short-range Imperial fire and follow him towards a small moon. But that's no moon. That's a Line, space mate. station. Ooh. Line. Good music here as well. It's, it's not a piece of music, it's just foreboding kind of stings. And that John Williams score, I mean, you know, is 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 the greatest score I think in cinema yeah, history. I genuinely think I, I, there's, and weirdly, you can slag off the prequels, but it gave you like rise to even better music. Mm. The one thing you can't ever say is bad is the music in any of these films. No, um, it's too late, and the Falcon is caught in a tractor beam. They hide aboard, trick stormtroopers into coming in, and swap uniforms. They make a ridiculous amount of noise, but get away with it. I like this bit though, where they turn up. Older one's not there. Solo's like, look, he's supposed to be here, but he's not on the, you know, and they're in an asteroid field. 
And then, then everyone puts the two and two together. He's like, it's all blown up. It's like, it's destroyed. That's what I've sensed. All that loss, all that death. Mm. Not a lot of emotion, but you know. It doesn't need to be, mate. Get over it. And then they've noticed the TIE fighter and they're like, that that shouldn't be this far into the galaxy, in, in, into into space. Deep space. And there's that whole like, well, where's where's it's, uh, where's, where's, it the, de- where's the destroyer? Where's takes, the main base? It takes so long to try and destroy it though. It's just like, you are not very good. But, but that seems so cool. And then it reveals, there's the Death Star. Because we're not really seeing it from the outside, you yeah. know, and, and even now, like the effects of the scene of docking in the Death Star and with all the stormtroopers, it's and brilliant. It, it looks great. It's it amazing. looks really good. This unfortunately is one of them scenes though where David Prowse is moving and the voice isn't in sync with the movements. Yeah, because he says he says and he, he, <laughs> he's supposed to come across that there's some sort of force. Yeah, you know, and he and he says I haven't felt this since, and then turns and leaves. But because there's a bit of a gap. It's like he's forgotten something. Mm. <laughs> it's just like when we keep like, oh, shit. Yeah. Is, is the gas on? I've got, <laughs> just leaves quick. I haven't felt a disturbance in the force since. Oh, oh. <laughs> there's a Chinese. Obi Wan plans to take out the tractor beam while the others stay put. Like that, Obi Wan is a leader. He knows he can get shit done, but that doesn't last long as they realise Leia is aboard. And Luke is thirsty, mate. <laughs> he's got a bit of a thirst, so he, so he talks to he talks to Han, money man. He's rich. I like that scene. Han, and I like the fact that Han's not a hero. Han's in it for the moolah at the moment. Yeah. Um, all the all this scene is setting up for brilliant cinema. They're behind enemy lines. They're in the thick of it. They're the one place you don't want to be. Yeah. You know, and they're not there by choice. They're undercover. They, you know, you can't hide the fact that they've got a giant walkie with them. Yeah. And now they're really like, oh shit, the princess is here. Like, so the, the you know we've got to save it. This whole sequence, I think it's brilliant. I like now that everyone kind of goes off on a side quest. Yeah. He's like, I'm the most powerful. I know well, why we're here. I don't, I don't, Back in a bit, boys. I don't, I don't, mention, I don't mention this, but, but he's essentially, he's not even stealthy. He's walking around the Death Star. Yeah. He might as well, there might be a scene where you just stop someone and go, could you please tell me where to try to be? It's, it's my first time. I'm lost. <laughs> yeah. Um, the well-thought-out plan about saving Leia involves them shooting the place up, making even more moist than they did previously. But I love this scene. But they go into the... They go into the prison cell and then your man in a right dick off voice just goes, what was your plan to do with this thing? Gives him proper side eyes. Just like, you're the first to die. And then they start shooting up the place, including what I didn't realise as a kid were torrents. You know, those black squares. I never really understood what they were until I realised that they were shooting lasers as well. They get the princess, but the station has been alerted and the heroes are trapped in the corridor. Nowhere to go, mate. So who takes charge? Leia takes our shoots the grate off the garbage chute and they all follow. Now trapped in the garbage disposal system, they realise they aren't alone and some sort of garbage alien. Because <laughs> I don't really know, because this is what I don't understand. Aliens exist in this world. So is it a monster or is it still an alien? And also, if it's there, how did it get there? Did they put it in there on purpose? It's like, if anyone gets away, gets in the gar- garbage situation, the octopus thing will get it. And also, like, what's the point in it compacting if they're sweet living? Yeah, in that's there? what I, yeah, So exactly. it can't be there by, like, I imagine when they're building the Death Stars, like, right, we've got, we've got the toilet seats, we've got the bedding, we've got the linen bedding, we've got that stuff. Yeah. Oh, have you got cool. the rails? No, no. No, do, do you want to put the big monster in the trash <laughs> compact a bit? Yeah. <laughs> um, Luke is then dragged under. There's a scene where you genuinely, I forgot. I was like, oh yeah, Luke, Luke gets dragged under. And then I was like, they're going, so how do they kill the beast? I don't remember that part. Well, Luke is then randomly let go and the monster slash alien disappears. Suddenly the walls start closing in and the heroes desperately try to brace the walls, begging the droids still left in the control room to save them. But the droids have problems of their own. As stormtroopers burst in, one hitting the head on the door, mm. which they've now, because it's like one of the more famous goofs, they've even added a sound effect to which I it's hate. very silly. It's like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like that. Just, it was a mistake. Just leave it be. Don't make a thing out of it. 
and George I did, I did like the oh no yeah um uh, but crafty old C3PO has faked being locked up and manages to save the days. He's just like, oh, we're just going to go sort him out. And then he's able to save them by using R2-D2 to shut down all of the compactors, mate. He's the boy. He's the boy. Well, what are you saying R2-D2 is the boy? MVP. Oh, okay. I say, I, say, I, say, I say it again. MVP, R2-D2. Darth Vader has a bit of a whiff and can smell everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so much... It's everyone. <laughs> oh, that robe smells like it's not been washed in 19 years. Probably hadn't, probably not had a lot of showers whilst living in the statues. <laughs> Obi-Wan, meanwhile, is able to lower the force field as everyone converges on the Falcon, ready to escape. Solo runs into an army of stormtroopers and Luke has to Batman himself and Leia across a ravine that is randomly in the middle of the Death Star. So I love the fucking plans of this. Would be like, right, so we can escape monster in. Yeah, have you got, have you got all the doors that close when you shoot the handle? Yeah, yeah. Um, ravine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been a scene with, uh, in Rogue One with Mads Mikkelsen where he's like, like I've, uh, I've, 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 I've snuck a weakness in it when did you do that when I should have been putting up the handrails <laughs> <Just, laughs> oh. health and safety not big on the Death Star uh, basically they all get away but there is another army between all our heroes and the Falcon and they aren't moving unless it's to get front row tickets to the rematch of the universe Ding. our first Jedi versus Sith battle. Are you ready? Lightsaber duel. It's teacher versus student. It's master versus apprentice. It's good versus bad. It's Jedi versus Sith. It's ketchup versus fat free like mayonnaise, mate. It is Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan for the first time, but you'll find out until the fourth time (laughs) until until season two. (laughs) So So. I remember remember going into... Every time I go into this, I, I go into this thinking, oh yeah, the lightsaber fight doesn't hold up. Now, to, no, now do, that yeah, you've got doesn't. Jewel of Fates, now that you've got obviously uh, Revenge of the Sith, which is the longest fight scene. Even Weirdly, you, I do find that one most boring. I, I quite like it. There's, there's one moment where it's really terribly choreographed, but, yeah. but now you have, you know, obviously the Obi-Wan fight scene. Which scenes. is the best one. Yeah, and th- this one you're like, Oh, I don't, but it's not that bad to be fair. It's and, not. It's, it's the, edited well. There's the original idea as well that the lightsabers were supposed to be as heavy as like broadswords, which okay. is why they're not swinging them like samurai swords because he was trying to move away from it looking like samurai swords. Okay. So, but watching it, it's not that bad to be fair. My favorite now is the dark saber. I really liked, again, if you haven't seen it, the Mandalorian episode where he uses, where he no. learns how to use it. So if you don't, if you don't wield it properly, it gets heavier. Oh, that's and cool. that's a really cool trait of the dark saber. So they see we can't pick it up. Um, yeah, I, I revisited it particularly this week. I was like, the, the fight scene isn't that bad. Now there is a very clever person who's put a, a YouTube video of uh, Ben Kenobi versus Darth Vader online. Have you seen that on YouTube? I believe so. It's the best lightsaber fight you've ever seen. Yeah, and they really clever use the uh, you know the face technology so that whoever the actor is does look like Alec Guinness. Yeah. And the fight scene is everything you want. It's using the force. It's bloody all these like crazy moves. Darth Vader being an absolute badass. And then it just cuts to the scene where he gets struck down. You're like, oh yeah, that's how it ended. Yeah. Like, <laughs> although the original way was meant to be you see him get cut in half. So, so the original edit that we're trying yeah. to do was he gets split. So you see the legs go one way and they're to upper body. But then obviously now it's he doesn't get struck. No, he, he gave himself to the force. He gave himself to the force. Does that make sense? Still don't understand that, you know, in Revenge of Sith. It was like, it's my biggest point of reviewing that movie when I come to the end and it goes, your master's come back 
from beyond the grave. And it's like Qui-Gon, which means Qui-Gon found out how to come back from after the dead after he died, <laughs> which means which means he must have been pretty active when he died. <laughs> so he's like, he died. I'm going to learn how to come back now. I don't know how, because you were fucking dead. But well, they all just come back, don't they? I mean, that's the whole point. Like, Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, sorry. Twice old man Kenobi has made Vader look like a bitch. This time, Obi-Wan sacrifices himself so Luke can escape. His body disappears. I really like this. This is one of my favourite bits. Darth Vader, who knows about the Force, goes up there and kicks the stuff to make sure he's not transformed into a rat. <laughs> <laughs> like Harry fucking Potter. <laughs> well, he found him using the Marauders map, so... Because <laughs> there's no way you would have found Obi-Wan sneaking around the corridors. The heroes escape with top-notch shooting skills and luck. Leia explains that... And then there's the scene... You can't really talk about it, but there's that shooting scene, which which is really good because it shows it's, it's more realistic. It's more like World War II, like a turret shooting and stuff. There's not really much something to mention there. So The uh, film could end here. If, yeah. if the film was going to be about a, tri- a trilogy, this film is two hours long as well. So you, you're at this point, you're pushing the one hour nine. Obi-Wan dying and sacrificing himself so they can get away is a perfect end to a movie. Yeah. You could have padded it out, given us more context, more on the Death Star, you know, more training montage yeah. or whatever. And actually, it could work where you end the film there. And I actually really like that it goes to like, now we're in the end. Now we're in the bonus round, boys. Mm. You've got an extra life. Let's carry on playing. Leia explains that they were only able to get away because the Empire probably bugged the ship. But that doesn't stop her giving them the headquarters of the Rovella Alliance, which the Death Star now has, because you were right. So have more have more faith in yourself, Leia. Just be like, go somewhere else. If, if the bugging is on the ship, you know, leave the ship somewhere. Could be something that he picked up after uh, Obi-Wan, mate. Bug the ship, well, we let him get away. Ship. At a meeting to look over the Death Star plans and organise how to defeat it, they talk about how hard it is going to be to hit the only weak spot on the Death Star, an exhaust port. But Luke mentions that it's just like shooting want brats. Yep. So, Luke kills small animals, has little to no friends, his three main potent- his three main parental figures all died under mysterious circumstances, and this is the good guy. And he probably wets the bed, serial killer. <laughs> give him give him a ship. <laughs> Just fucking maverick him. <laughs> Just- the only way to stop the Death Star is to run through a canyon on the base and drop a very uh, drop a bomb at a very precise location. I don't understand why they have to go through the canyon. That's never explained. Why you couldn't just come from space. But it, but if you do that, you won't have a story. So there you go. True. That's that's why. Um, Luke asks Solo to stick around and help and then shows the only emotion in the film when he gets pissy when the guy who said he was only in it for the money turned out to be only in it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> but it's time for a farm boy who has never been into space to fly a ship in a battle for survival. The Death Star is closing in and the Rebellion has sent out its best pilot. Red Six, Hawkins. Because when I saw that as a kid, mate, I thought if that fat bastard could be a pilot, I could be a pilot. <laughs> Rogue Squadron, mate. I yeah. love I love this scene. I like Yarvin 4. I like all this. You got... I, it's also... I like as well that the Death Star doesn't spin quickly. Yeah. It's like we have minutes before it's facing us and we'll destroy us. We've got to get up there and defeat it. Yeah. And later on, there's like that timeline. It's like one minute before it kind of zones in. I like that the Death Star kind of turns. It has an orbit. Very yeah. much like a planet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... All of these ships are going to it, mm. and as shown previously, that it's got a very strong power beam, uh, tractor beam. So why doesn't the Tesla just turn on a tractor beam? <laughs> just pull it. That would be great. What a great ending is all these ships are going. <laughs> oh shit, I never thought of that. Oh yeah, they or did that to us earlier. Was, was that because they still haven't realised it's been turned off? If you've got all these technicians in the Tesla going, I don't know why it's not working. I don't, I don't. Have you, have you tried switching it on? <laughs> um... There's heavy fire coming from turrets on the Death Star as the rebel ships try to survive as they enter the canyon one at a time. Luke begins to hear the voice of Obi-Wan. 
Vader sends out squadrons of Imperial fires, including himself. Mm. I love the sound of the TIE fires. I, it's my favourite sound. If, if we're talking about sound effects, we talk about anything from any film, it is the... I don't... I, do you know what's one of those sound effects I can't even do? It's like the high-pitched whine of a TIE fire, kind of like a cry. It's a scream, yeah. It's, a scream. it's, a, it's beautiful. Ben Burt, who created the iconic sounds for blasters, Vader's breathing, Chewie's growl, lightsabers, beeps, the TIE fighter screams, oh, this, all of it. Yeah. Who, who was that? Sorry, because they, they need a message. Ben Burt, so he was nominated for an Oscar for it. Special yeah. mention, because he's, he's one of the hardest, under most appreciated people in his entire films. Um, and I also like, and I, it's really fun to mention this, with the character of Wedge Attilies, Attilies, who's in all three films. Mm. Um, and he's in a game in Rogue Squadron. You can play him as one of those. And he's one of my favourite secondary background characters. And, yeah. just, he's brilliant. and the fact that he showed up in The Worst Star Wars, he's in Rise of Skywalker. He's mm. one of the pilots that comes, I loved that. Like literally going to pilot film. I was like, let's go wedge. Um, Vader is able to stop the two bombers and the next squadron is sent in. Gold Leader is able to launch his bomb using the ship's tracking system, but the bombs don't hit the target. Apparently he isn't used to shooting small animals. <laughs> if only he had that hit experience of shooting one rass. <laughs> Gold Leader dies and it's time for Luke to step up to play. What I like about this is they're all like, I know it's going to sound really weird. It's something you don't recognise as a kid. Is, is There is a very World War II feel of sacrifice. Mm. So a lot of the people, they there. They're, someone's making the bomb room and two people are there to basically be sacrificed. So the guy has enough time to drop the bomb. Yeah. And there's a lot of, stay on target. It's like, don't care about the person. Stay on target. I remember that guy and he ends up blowing, just telling the other guy, stay on target. I'll take this. And Gold Leader... And it's the only thing about Wedge is Wedge doesn't die. He gets clipped. And he's like, I've got to get out of it. It's like, mm, Wedge, a little bit of a bitch. <laughs> You're supposed to die. You're my favourite, mate. Because Briggs, Briggs takes it like a fucking man. He dies. And they're all, sorry, they're all from uh, Tatooine. So they're, 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 they're their friends. There's a scene where he's like, oh, yeah, it's nice They're the ones that went off to the academy. Yeah. But, so he does have friends. <laughs> so the, but the, I, I, and this is, this is something, I, I know we're talking about the one movie, but again, carries out through all of it. The, um, the idea that, uh, Anakin or, or Vader at this point is is a great fighter. He's yeah. a great uh, pilot. That's something that's carried out obviously from his origins when he's racing pod, doing the pod racing stuff. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's all throughout um, the animated TV show as well that he's you know, that he's a pilot. And in this, I like how Vader's like, fuck it, I'll get up there, I'll do it. Yeah, and he, and he gets it. Is uh, it's not a tie fighter, is it? It's a what? I've, yeah, it's like yeah, a, yeah. like bomber. What I do like about his as well is because he uses breathing apparatus. Interceptor, I think he's got, sorry, yeah. Because he's using um, breathing apparatus, he doesn't have to connect like the other fires. Mm. I always love small shit like that. There's like, it shows that they've actually thought of it. Mm. I do like Luke's plan as well, is to go as fast as humanly fucking possible down this canyon, which is ballsy. Wedge wonders if the computer can hit at this speed. Mm. Vader is on Luke's back and takes out Wedge. Wedge survives, but Biggs doesn't. Biggs is taken out. Luke's all on his own. Vader even has time to shoot R2-D2, who's on the back. I haven't really mm. explained that, but they're on the back of the ship, which is cool. I like the idea that the droid's connected to the ship and can help out with maintenance. I think that's cool. Luke starts using the targeting system, but Obi-Wan tells him to use the Force and believe. And when he turns off his, and when he turns it off, the Rebel Flight Command shit their pants. I know. <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking next level. But there's more. Just before Luke launches the missile, Vader has lock and it's all over. But shy a fucking surprise. Solo shows up and saves the day, doing the one thing that no one else did. He didn't go through the canyon. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, that's suicide. He's just like, why would you do that? After um, the first person gets shot, he's like, fuck that. <laughs> he clips Vader, sending him tumbling into deep space. Luke makes the shot, killing hundreds of thousands of people. But it's time to go back and celebrate and party like heroes. 
Not many people give a shit that R2-T2 took that bullet, but now it's time for a ceremony where only Luke and Solo will get medals because fuck you, Chewie, R2-D2, and the real MVP of Star Wars, C-3PO. I'm just saying it because he's the one that everyone pisses on, but he's the one that gets shit done, mate. He's the one that convinces R2-D2 to come on board. I'm saying it now. R2- I hate C-3PO growing up, but you know what? Great appreciation watching mm. it. C-3PO is the man behind, he's the man in the chair. R2-D2 does the work. But if C-3PO isn't there to put him in these situations, it's done happen. They but, might, in real life, they might have been enemies. But on that page, mate, they were heroes. <laughs> Not enough to get a medal, right? Eh? No, no, fuck him. Again, only, Chewie only, did get a medal. Uh, only, only the white males get medals. I know I'm going to say this as well. It's something I didn't notice. But you know the final scene is all of like the royals stood there uh, and you've got the two characters. There's a guy in the background with the biggest moustache I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I was watching it and I was like, oh, glorious. <laughs> Do you think you can watch Star Wars now, the original New Hope or any of them without doing what we've done? And that's going, yeah, but because of the extended universe now, because of the prequels and because of the side it's quests, it's so hard to it's do. It's hard to take it now at face value without going, oh, well, how's it? So for example, the Death Star, when Grand Moff Tarquin's like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to really see what this bad boy can do. Let's shoot, you know, let's do it. He goes, let's do it. Uh, uh, the first shot at Alderaan. But of course now that's undone because we know they used it on Scarif. We know yeah. they used it in Jeddah in Rogue One. But I know then purists will say, well, actually at full beam, he didn't use it at full beam on them two planets because it took time for the planet to blow up. Whereas at Alderaan, it blew up in seconds. So I get it. I know that they're probably different, but do you know what I mean? Like a lot of it's- the hard work of the 77 is being undone because of, yeah, but weirdly, this watching this film gave me, and I never thought I'd say this, a great appreciation for the prequel trilogies, purely because it's like scenes when you don't notice it because it's not part of the storyline. Mm. When um, Tarkin comes into the manager's meeting and he says, the Emperor's got rid of the Senate, we're going to rule through fear. And then it's like, it's three films you see of the Senate and why mm. it's such a big deal that the Emperor's got rid of it now. I It's really hard to do. You can't isolate any of these films now. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, it, no. It's, but it is when it's compared to like negative things, but that's like all things. Um, I still loved it for what it was. I, I still enjoy it. My favourite scenes are of them just enjoying space or the fantasy elements. Like I still think the scene where Luke looks out into the sun and it's the music, mm. the overwhelming, and it's almost as like Luke's kind of crying that he's just a little bitch. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like, it's all, all the stuff on Mos Eisley and, and, yeah. and, 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 and the cantina band. I, I could, I could be in there all day listening to that and, you know, seeing that and um, that's what did mean about Boba Fett when like the cantina gets blown up. You're like, do you know how many fucking like legends were in there? They're just yeah. like absolutely destroyed. Yeah, I haven't seen Boba Fett. No, it happens. <laughs> just um, without even thinking about it. I, I, I mean, it's controversial. I don't like Boba Fett. I'm just putting it out there. Um, but it was really fun to see it. Mm. I don't, I just think, and I don't think it'll happen anymore. It's those edits, those changes, those things added in. I hate them. I genuinely do hate them. Luckily, they only seem to exist in the first Act. As soon as they go off down to wing, there's very little extra. Well, it's just things it. like the like the the um, the shots are brighter, aren't they? Yeah, the exactly. sounds different, but but um, I know it's, as a as a farmhand, young farmhand, with an old man with a rogue, an alien, and a, saving a princess. Do you know what? It's, it's, it's good fun. It's ridiculous fun. It is. I, I really like it. And I, I like that it sits now in a big universe and you've got so much to it. And there's so much stuff that we didn't talk about or, or haven't got time to talk about because there are a whole podcast that do a hundred episodes on just on this, this episode, film. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we didn't talk about Bamfers, you know, like, you know, the animals and all the different kind of like weird creatures that are in this. We didn't talk about you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the clear loopholes and, and issues that you have with the Death Star's defense system. If, <laughs> you know, but, it's just fun. It's just fun to revisit. 
I actually like it now that I'm, I've seen it a hundred times and now I'm seeing it in a bigger, Scope. it's really hard to explain. Like it, it's now, it's, it's no longer, it's no longer, a, a, you know, a piece of art that I look at. It's now a piece of a huge puzzle. Do you know what a great way of summing up is? And you've been doing it kind of this entire episode. It's it, this film launches generational viewing because like you say, it doesn't, everyone doesn't belong to me anymore. Mm. You know, it belongs to the next generation. And that, and that all started from like a little film in 1977 that people didn't have a lot of faith in. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's I, I love it's, that as well. Seed. I love that. That is, it's a big middle finger to all the people that said it wouldn't work. And then look what it's done. And we'll look at it. And it, clearly Lucas had no idea where he was going with the sequel no. and then the third one and luckily created what he did. And I like now as well that you have them three different eras. You know, you have the Republic part where as you, you know, as you're talking about like this dismantling of the Senate, the moment you say that I'm it, I'm automatically taken back to like Natalie Portman. Yeah. You know, and all that stuff. Where I'm like, I do still enjoy that. And even though there are some very, very, very negative things about the prequel trilogy, I do like that. I like the droids. I like Naboo. I like all that kind of era. And makes, I especially love the Clone Wars TV show. It makes me want to watch them from episode one. It makes me want to do episode one all the way to episode eight. I would say, I would say do- You weren't me, episode eight. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would say do Clone Wars, give it a shot. I mean, it is a lot. It is a lot to go through. But So 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 it's, it's really funny you mentioned that because I'm uh, two, three episodes into Mandalorian because I've, I've got access to Disney Plus. I've never seen the Mandalorian. I think I've seen the bits and bobs. And I've heard such great things about it. And I, I really don't like Boba Fett as a character. I just thought everyone, you know, like blew his horn a bit too much. Um, but I'm really liking it. But it's really weird that, and I'm going to say this, it's going to be like my my ending point is Star Wars ranges from I love it to it's one of the most hated things in the world because I genuinely think it's got a really bad, when, when they think things through. So these trilogies make sense, especially Empire Strikes Back and it does have links. All three of them, there is a kind of story that you're going to go with. Even the prequel trilogy had stories that it went through. The the sequel one didn't have a clue where it was going movie to movie. And I think that shows and it hurts the franchise to I think I'm just really bad. But what I love about the TV series, it seems to follow the path of the original. It kind of knows where it's going and threads a story from what I've heard. Mm. So I, I like that it's kind of a different storytelling. I like the um the other the other reason to watch the anime shows you get like the introduction of Ahsoka as well, who's mm. such a big character. And her relationship with um, Anakin, Anakin yeah. is really, really good to watch. And then to think when Ahsoka is going to get a live action, that's going to be obviously post, um, that's going to be obviously post uh, Vader's fall and, and mm. stuff. But, you know, the brotherhood between him and Obi-Wan in the anime show is, is really good. And then it makes shows like the Obi-Wan show even more gut-wrenching in that final scene when he's like, my friend is dead. Like you've gone, you're no longer mm-hmm. here. Kind of it, 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 like to me, it's the perfect time. If I hadn't watched the show, the, the anime show, maybe, maybe I wouldn't be as emotionally invested in it, but I do, I do think now, and this is the thing you could argue. Is this the 3d animated one or is it the, is it 2d? It's the free. Yeah. It's the 3d. 3D yeah. One. It's on Disney plus. Yeah. As yeah. The clone was. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of it, but it does give you so many other characters and worlds and side storylines. And like I say, people like Cad Bane, who's, who come into the shows later, like he's a big, big impos- imposing threat as a bounty hunter in some of those episodes. So um, yeah, I think, it's re- I think it's really good. And and I, I'll, you know what, this time next year, I'll probably watch New Hope again and gush over it all over again. It's, it's I think I've seen it more than any other film yeah. in my life. Maybe that and Die Hard are the two, the top two. Yeah, this is a, it's already in the vault, but mm. it's more there. And he deserves it. Completely, completely. Um, 
Yeah, thanks a lot, James. I, I enjoyed you retaking us through it. And actually, there's so a film much that stuff. you and I recently watched. There's so much <laughs> stuff that we could have talked about that you just don't have time to, but no. um, it's just good to revisit. The only other film I want to talk about this week before we close up is a new Edgar Wright movie that uh, came out in, I think it's 2021. Yeah, everyone will see this one. Then one Night in Soho. With yeah, a, Last Night in Soho. Last yeah. Night in Soho. And it's got Matt Smith. And Matt Smith is it. Anna Taylor-Joy and Taylor Thomasin Joy. McKenzie are the lead. So Thomasin McKenzie um, was in things like um, Jojo Rabbit and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Really, really amazing actress. And uh, Anna Taylor-Joy is just a tour de force. Matt Smith's in it. Um, <laughs> These two brilliant, brilliant Matt Smiths in it. <laughs> no, Matt Smith, this is, this is one of the best Matt Smith things I've seen. I love Matt Smith. Yeah. And it really hates me that Marvel of the, well, I know Sony, but he's been wasted mm. in Morbius, which is a film I still haven't watched. <laughs> but Matt, Matt Smith is good in this. He's got Terrence Stamp in it. It's good cast. Um, it is about a aspiring fashion artist who lives, leaves Cornwall. So this is the other thing. Thomas McKenzie's from New Zealand. Mm. And in this film, at the beginning, I was like, what accent is that? I was like, and then, you see her leaving Cornwall, you're like, that's really brave, actually. Like, to come over and do a... You, do you know what Cornish I mean? Like, accent. A Cornish no does, accent. No one does really a Cornish good. accent. And then do a movie that is set in London, in Soho. You know, it, she's she's absolutely incredible. But the movie's about... She's an aspiring fashion designer. She uh, she lives with a nan. Family history. She lost a mum early uh, in life. She's going to go to the big city, make a name for herself. She's got this real flair and affection for the 60s. Um, when she goes, she doesn't like the student lifestyle, so she rents a top room bedsit apartment for in, in Soho um, to uh, to get away from like the student lifestyle and everything like that. And at night time, when she goes to sleep, she drifts off, she's transported to the 60s um, where she starts to live out the life of Anna uh, Taylor Joy's character um, and it, it's just a really wonderful way of doing it in that so Anna Taylor Joy will be walking through a club and the reflections in the mirrors are McK- uh, Thomas and Mackenzie mm. but they're not in sync which I think is really good so Thomas and Mackenzie will often be just be looking up and around because she's out of world it's not her time Yeah, but she's the reflection so I really it has Edgar Wright is re- it's really clever how he's done it these scenes where, like I say, it's a reflection, but she will break reaction because she's a stranger. Um, it starts off brilliant. You know, it's the 60s where she wants to live, the music, the fashion, the culture, the lifestyle, the everything like that. And then it starts to turn quite dark and twisted. And actually the glamour and all of that starts to crack and really, you know, she's in a world of lies and deceit, murder, um, and that then starts to bleed into her modern day life where she starts to have visions uh, ghosts, all these kind of things start to affect her. Um, and her, the two will start to bleed. And actually, is this, a, is this has something happened in the past that she now needs to figure out? And it becomes this Edgar Wright mashup, which is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. It's a very, very good film. It's very good. I mean, it's Edgar Wright. The cast are all exceptional. You know, um, it had so much intrigue to it that when I was watching it, I was like, okay, where's this going? And then a, a certain twist will happen or not really a twist but it'll it'll arc a certain way and then mm. you go okay cool and but and, and all the way through i was like it's an 18 this is an 18 and not borrow a couple of swear words at the beginning literally an hour in i was like I, something has got to happen because why is this nowadays to get an 18 you, you have to yeah, yeah you have to really go for it i mean Shaun of the dead you have to like literally have zombies and eating people and guts <laughs> and gore and all that kind of stuff and then towards the end it does get I wouldn't say scary, but it definitely does get graphic. And Edgar Wright does this brilliant thing of using 60s style filmmaking 
you know, there's blood in it that is very 60s vibrant red, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, it, and it's, you know, the, the kind of the cinematography, the feel of it goes very, very 60s, even when it's now in the modern time. Yeah. Um, and I thought it ticked every box in the sense that it was a mystery. It was a thriller. It had elements of supernatural to it. And underpinning was just a great story, an original story and good acting. And there were at least two not twists, but things that it leads you a certain way and then goes, nah, nah, nah no. Oh. And, and then you go, oh shit, all the clues were there. I just, I just didn't see it. And it happens twice um, with two characters. And I was like, well, fool me once, but you got me twice. So yeah, really well done. Really well done. I, I'd recommend this film uh, to any cinema goer. Like I say, it is, it does get a bit, um, it does get a bit bloody towards the end. Um, and there are some kind of a little bit of CGI effects in it that you are a bit like, I could have done without that specific scene, but it's dark. I didn't think it was going to go where it goes, um, towards the end of the movie. And it, 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 in a weird way, even though it's, it's in the sixties has a very contemporary message, very contemporary message. Where's this? It's on that. It's on that. It's it's, it's, it's their big, uh, June, June thing. So, yeah. I, I I really wanted to say I love Edgar Wright. Mm. I think he's very underrated. It's got a great. I mean, obviously, Baby Driver had a great soundtrack. Shaun of the Dead had a great soundtrack. Um, this also has that kind of that sixties feel to it. Yeah. Um. You know, and and the the soundtrack is, uh, you know, Soho, London. We talk about like films set in London, showing you what London. And yeah. You're like not every Paddington is not London. I love that film. It's it's not a, London, but it's not London. It's fictional London. This you're like, I can fully believe it. Although there is a scene where she's running and you're like, oh no, one minute she's in like Carnaby street. Next minute she's all over the place. But, um, bullshit. It does. It, you, you are like, that is much more like the London. That I kind of know. Oh, there you go. Um, so yeah, definitely. If you, if you're in the mood for it, the only other thing I was going to say is umbrella Academy season three started. I, I Esther wants to rewatch she doesn't remember season two, so we'd have to rewatch it. I think way. I'm going to because it started. You know how we were saying um Obi-Wan starts with like a five minute yeah. this is this is the prequel trilogy that gets to this point. And I was like, Oh, I really liked it because you were just showing the good bits. Yeah. <laughs> at the beginning at the beginning of um at the beginning of Umbrella Recovery, it showed you a recap of season two and all of it. I just went, Oh yeah, oh shit, who was that? What yeah, oh yeah, and that happened. Oh, and that person died. Who were they again? Were they the villain? I- shit. It has been too long. I need to go because Umbrella Academy is brilliant because it's chaotic. I needed to, so I was really worried about Strange Things season mm. four. So that's why Esther started her mammoth session of watching them all. Um, she we caught up just in time for the next one, but I was like, I don't remember. I don't remember season like three at all of, of Strange Things, so I had to rewatch them all. But uh, Umbrella Academy, I know there's a kid who can teleport. <laughs> yeah. Who can teleport through time? I, I remember think. really enjoying season two. Yeah. Really fucking enjoying it. But you know, like there are certain characters that you're like. Okay, the ape thing, the butler, he's gone. There was, yeah. the, there was the goldfish in the in the human body thing. Like, what was that about? It ended in a barn, and, someone, was and there it? was like there was like a blonde-haired assassin yeah. who turned out to be someone. And I didn't read the graphic novels, so I don't really know what's going on. And I've, I've watched the recap. It ends with them in an alternative. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think if it I ends. But they've changed the timeline. The and now it's the Sparrow Academy. <laughs> and so I remember that bit. Yeah, but I don't know how we got there. I can't remember how we got there, so I'm gonna have to watch season two again. Jesus. But it's not a bad thing because I did thoroughly enjoy season two. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. our show for this week. If you didn't need any other reason to do it, go back and watch A New Hope this week. Enjoy Festa in the amazing world that is Star Wars. If you haven't seen Obi Wan, check it out. Let us know what you think. Next week we're going back to our roots. <laughs> there we go. We're rehashing something we've done four times. I think more than that, <laughs> mate. <laughs> 
We're going to do an A to Z of just what we, just what annoys us in film. <laughs> just, that's just what we need is two middle-aged white men ranting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, we're going, to t- we're going to try and add a bit of fun and a nice positive spin on it as well. But Because <laughs> they're always that. funny, them ones. <laughs> so uh, next week, breaking habit of uh, talking about movies and new releases and cinema stuff and just doing a good old-fashioned slog of the A to Z. There you go. If you don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye.